sometimes things are so special in your life that words cannot explain. The history alone in that place makes Madison Square Garden special. My family's gonna come there. My wife, my mom, my dad, my daughter. Everything that I've ever wanted out of life comes down to this one day, this one short period of time. My passion, the thing you dream about and consumes you. People are gonna remember this forever. People will say, you know, that match was worth coming back for. You haven't lived, you haven't breathed until you've danced in WrestleMania. Hi there. to Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, and the whole Genesis. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Mania Madness. I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt. Mania Madness is a six-part anthology series where we're breaking down all previous 36 WrestleManias, six packs at a time, leading up ultimately to WrestleMania 37, which is going to be another two-nighter hailing from Tampa Bay. Before we get into all of that, this week we're going to be breaking down WrestleMania's 19 through 24. But I do have to let everybody know that Mania Madness is brought to you by the good folks at ChairShot Radio Network in conjunction with TheChairShot.com, reminding everybody to always use your heads. And while using your heads, make sure y'all go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot and pick up an official ChairShot t-shirt. If you appreciate all the content we provide day in and day out, the best way to make sure we keep providing that content day in and day out is by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. We literally have something for everybody. And I'm just going to throw this out here. I don't know if it's true. It might be. It might not. But it can't hurt. If you go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot, type in the promo code March Madness, you might get something off. I'm not saying it will happen, but it can't hurt. So you might as well try it. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot promo code March Madness. You might get about 15-20% off. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, this week, to help me break down Mania's 19-24, through 24, my esteemed panel includes from the Attitude of Aggression and Bandwagon Nerds, my personal consigliere, the one, the only, Mr. Dave Ungar. Mr. Platt, how are you doing, sir? Have you been staying out of trouble this week? You know, they abolished bail and bond here in California, so if you're getting in trouble out here, I really can't help you. I said consigliere, not parole officer. What's wrong with you, man? Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> I thought I was your bail bondsman. Never mind. It's all good. I, How are you doing, man? I live the clean life, sir. I don't even steal cable. I might pull up a pay-per-view by nefarious means, but that's as far as we get, allegedly. <laughs> Illegal channels, huh, Chris? Is that it? Illegal channels. No, no. Just pay-per-views. That's it. That's it. And, and maybe some, some a little por- porn hub or, you know action like that also if you hear my voice you know you're gonna hear this guy the commissioner of the chair shot the one the only mr pc tunny gentlemen thrilled to be back um looking forward to talking to this six pack of wrestlemanias and last but certainly not least it is my honor privilege and pleasure to have this man on he is literally my father in this podcasting game from 1340 a.m fox sports down in orlando also the founder of the BDSIR Network, 
the host of Around the Blocks with Mike Knox. Put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen, and show your love for the one, the only, Mr. Mike Knox. Now, listen, I don't like all that introduction stuff. Now you got me over here smiling. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm a humble fella. I'm a humble fellow, but I appreciate the introduction. And just a correction, that's 1340 AM in, in, in uh, Hopewell, Virginia. And now here in Orlando, 105.5 uh, FM, The Wolf. So I am trying to do big things in small places, but that's not what she said. But uh, thanks uh, for having me, though. <laughs> no, it's always a pleasure, man. And I do apologize for that. But seriously, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into it because we got a lot to break down. But this guy, he's literally my father in this podcasting game. And I've said this to him privately, and it deserves appreciate to be said it. publicly. Because before I stumbled across this brother's work, I didn't see any brothers out here doing podcasts and, and discussing pro wrestling. So he was literally my inspiration. He said, I said, okay, if he could do it, I could do it too. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this guy. So seriously. I, I thank you. It'll be 11 years this Sunday, the 27th, um, going on uh, over 5 million views, listens rather. Uh, 3,176 episodes to be precise. So, it's it's hard. It's 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 it's. And I'm just I'm just thankful to be here at this point. I just I do it because I love it. You know. So, thank God for everybody who listens and who don't listen. I appreciate everything. So, real quick before we get started, Mike, one thing that I like to do with all the guests that come on. Number one, what was your first WrestleMania memory, and what does the term or the phrase or the show WrestleMania mean to you? My first memory. I, honestly, it has to be WrestleMania 2. It was a big thing at that time. It, it held from three different locations, one of them being the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, where, you know, I'm born in, in Chicago, raised in Philadelphia. Uh, father's from Philly, so having those ties and memory of the big thing because Refrigerator Perry was going to be part of the, the, the battle roar they were going to have. And so that's one of my, my first memories when it comes to WrestleMania in itself. But just WrestleMania in itself, to me, is, is to me how they don't promoted anymore but what it still is to me and it's the granddaddy of them all i don't care who you are in this wrestling business i don't care if you're coming up to talk about wrestling or you're a wrestler in the business your number one goal is to be at wrestlemania main event wrestlemania because it is the biggest thing in pro wrestling and no one can tell you any different so uh, this time of year is my favorite time of year let down your hat your hate for whatever federation and just sit back and remember how it is to be a child again like you can watch any DC or Marvel movie, you suspend your disbelief. Suspend your disbelief for pro wrestling until it's all said and done. And and I just love it. So wrestling's is it's it's in my blood. You know what I mean? It's like so. And Tony has showed off his flash shirt. I know you're a big DC mark as well, Mike. As a matter of fact, I'm on the line with three DC marks here, and hey. each and every one of them is going cuckoo for cocoa puss over this Zack Snyder Justice League. I, it's hard for me to sit down and devote four hours to a Zack Snyder film. I'm going to get to it eventually, guys. Don't bite my heads off about it, but shout out to the uh, to the DC marks out here. They do exist. <laughs> wow. Yeah, shout out, shout out to you guys, and then take this backhanded slap as well on the way out. I just don't see why he won't watch it. Just explain that to me. Like, it's four hours. He will. You work from home. Shh. I'm going to get to it, man, eventually. Maybe after the NCAA tournament and right before the NBA playoffs. I'll I'll get to it. Okay. That's a long time. It's like two weeks, Mike. (laughs) We'll get to it. But speaking of getting into it, let's let's go ahead and get into it here, man. WrestleMania 19, it emanates from Safeco Field out in Seattle. They got over 52,000 people in that stadium. Uh, Gentlemen, one of the things that stood out about 
or to me rather about this particular show is how aesthetically pleasing it was it was just a really cool look in Safeco. I, I can't really explain it other than it just looked cool. It was different from any other mania I've seen before or since. So that that stood out to me first and foremost. Now, oh, go ahead, Dave, because I'm, I'm gonna throw to you here in a second because you made a statement last week. You talked about how, well, I brought up how WrestleMania 17, I felt like it was the series finale of the Attitude Era. You disagreed with that, and you brought up 19. So, right. number one, I know everybody's going to say 17 is the best mania, but I think there is a legitimate argument to be made here about 19 as well. I mean, you look up and down that card, there's literally a main eventer in every single match. But, Dave, the way I look at this card and this mania is it's the epilogue to the Attitude Era. And I don't know how many people read books anymore, but if you read books, I, I still read books, but if you read books, you know what an epilogue is. Because I kind of feel like it serves as the bridge from the Attitude Era into where we're about to go and, you know, the things that we're going to talk about for these other manias. Oh, Mike and PC Tunney know exactly what I'm going to say about epilogue. Watch <laughs> the Snyder Cut. Oh, Jesus Christ. There's an epilogue. <laughs> There's an epilogue there and a hell of a damn good one. Um... Yeah, I think this is, you know, if 18 wasn't the end of the Attitude Era, then 19 certainly represents a, a shifting of the guard uh, to a certain extent. You've got Austin Rock, the final match between them. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later on because it's, it's Austin's last match ever. But, you know, you've got the introduction of um, Brock Lesnar coming in. You know, he's up and coming at this point. I mean, up and coming in the biggest way possible. Kurt Angle, you've got... A lot of, uh, you know, the, um, yeah, the old guard shifting a little bit. Not as dramatically as, like, say, between the first block of the first six pack we did in the second. It's not a shift that dramatic. But there is a gradual shifting of the main players. The main characters are evolving and, and going in a different direction. So, yeah, epilogue would be a good way to describe this, you know, maybe like that Lord of the Rings 20 minute epilogue, something like that. You know, it, it, along those lines. But yeah, this is this is the end, pretty much the official end of the Attitude Era here at 19. But, you know, you mentioned, was 19 as good as 17? I mean, you could make the argument 17, 18, 19. I mean, you're splitting hairs as far as which one was really the best one. And 20 is damn good as well. So they just have a big run of really good shows going on. I, before we before Mike, you jump in, I just would say there's two things that keep this from being one of the most perfect WrestleManias ever. And one is a decision on who goes over in a certain match, and the other one is a decision on who someone faces in a match. And I'll get to those explanations when we get to oh, those you, matches. Oh, you know we get into that first one. You already know. But, Mike, go ahead and get in here, brother. No, I, I sit here and I look at this this car when you guys tell me which person I ever want to discuss between 19 and 25. And I just remember, like, I wasn't here for them other shows. I did listen to them, or, or parts of them anyway. I wasn't here a lot to as best I could. But... Uh, 17, like you said, 17, 18 are arguably one of the people say the greatest WrestleManias, and I say always hold that a little bit. I think there's some later WrestleManias that did surpass them, and I think moments are what makes WrestleMania. And to me, when I think of 19, the biggest moment in WrestleMania, although people will always talk about Austin and Rock, to me was Lesnar versus Brock Lesnar. I think that was the coming out party for Brock. I think that's when people decided to look at Brock in a different light, him just even attempting that shooting star press 
and damn near dying in the ring trying to do it. It's things like that when I get mad to this day. People say, well, Brock Lesnar doesn't care about the business. You remember him doing that shooting star press? He does care. So um, this WrestleMania to me was amazing. Team Angle, those velour sweatsuits were just always on point. So <laughs> I, I, I could never find them. I wanted to buy them. I would bought, I'd have bought at least two of those sweatsuits. I just could not find them anywhere. But this WrestleMania, um, I think it's okay, but I wouldn't put it in my top five. Oh, interesting. Okay, you coming in hot today. That's what's up. There's three so, X's. Get it right. Touche. Touche. I should have known better. <laughs> but this mania is fascinating to me on a number of levels because I, I called it the epilogue. And if you look back up and down this card, there's a lot of, I guess, loose ends being tied up. I mean, obviously, we had the Hogan-McMahon match, so that's kind of the loose end being tied up from the rockin' wrestling 80s Hulkamania era. We've got the end of the trilogy between Rock and Austin. That's kind of the loose end being tied up about the attitude for the attitude error. Uh, we've got Shawn Mike making his return versus Chris Jericho. So you've got the incumbent versus the guy who they thought was going to be the next. Obviously, he went a different direction and became the first Chris Jericho. And I think it worked out all right for him. And then, of course, as Mike alluded to, the main event with Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. Obviously, this was supposed to be Brock's coronation and the leading into that era didn't really work out but i thought the show itself it, it was well put together and it had all of those errors culminating into this one show and that that i think that's why i like it so much dave yeah i mean you look up and down this and this card like tony says the decision is as to who went up against who who went over i mean you can debate that a long time but there's a handful of i mean Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho is a hell of a match. I mean, a hell of a match. And I, I don't have any problem with Michaels winning that match because it was his first time back since WrestleMania 14. And they told a really good story with the whole, you know, this is who I looked up to with Jericho playing that card and then, you know, nutshotting Shawn at the end. You know, the match on the card that doesn't get enough love, but these two guys left it all in the ring way past their prime. Hulk Hogan versus Vince McMahon. Um, you know, it's a pretty damn bloody match. It, it it doesn't match Sean's street fight with Vince a couple years later, but this was a really underrated match in my opinion. And you talk about Brock, you talk about Angle, and people now, the current generation who looks at Brock Lesnar, look, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 19 is a completely different animal than he is now. It's not just Suplex City F5 and go home. That's not what this Brock Lesnar was about. This was a guy who matched Kurt Angle Move from and people forget Brock was a national amateur champion in amateur wrestling, and Kurt Angle's an Olympic gold medalist with a broken freaking neck. So these guys could really tear it up. I, I mean, like Mike saying the fact that Brock would even try a shooting star press, disastrous though it may have been, is testament to just how different a competitor this Brock Lesnar was to the to the you know the current iteration. And the current iteration is much more over than this variation was. And I, I know as to why, I don't have a great explanation for that. But um, there are some great matches on this card. I know we'll talk about Triple H and Booker T and the decision there. But, yeah, I'll, I'll defer to you guys. I mean, The Rock and Stone Cold deserves a little bit of extra discussion, I think, just because of what it means looking hindsight being 2020. Oh, well, yeah. Hi, hi, no, go ahead, Mike. No, I'm sorry. Just that that – that match, as everyone knows, is the only time The Rock beat Austin at WrestleMania. And I think that goes without saying in the storybook, if you will, 
or epilogue of their story together. You know what I mean? And what they went through in their careers. And I'm always a big fan of saying I liked Rock versus Triple H's robbery better. But you can look at Rock and Austin, and, and, and to me, whether you put one over the other, they both can go hand-in-hand hand for just being completely awesome and, and having great stories told by all these guys. But this match meant so much to all of them, like you said earlier, uh, this being Austin's last match. Uh, and if I just go back real fast, David, go back on the Jericho-Shawn uh, Michaels match, because that match, I don't think it's ever untalked about. But the storyline leading up to that, I have a hashtag I love. Wrestling is storyline. I don't care nobody. You cannot sit there and watch Lucha Underground, AEW. I don't care if it's your local gymnasium wrestling. If the story is ass, no one's going to freaking pay attention. That's just the bottom line. Wrestling storyline. And that story, that's when they, I believe that's when they messed up the eye and they put the TV into his eye and stuff. It was That was such a great, great story of you betrayed me and never meet your childhood heroes. That, that story, this WrestleMania definitely has some good things going into it for sure. And, I mean, for my money, that's my favorite match on the card. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm a Shawn Mike Mark. He's, you know, in my top five, top five, top five, top five, top five. But I thought they had a, told a hell of a story leading into it. I thought they told a hell of a story in the match. And it was just a damn good wrestling match. It just goes to show you who they were when they started, who they were when they met up in the middle, and who they've become. I mean, they're two of the greatest storytellers in the business, bottom line, right? I think it's funny, I want to go back to the Rock thing in Austin, is we're, we're dealing with WrestleMania's 19 through 24, right? And the Stone Cold and Rock match ends with the Rock looking at Austin and saying, thank you for everything you did for me, I love you. If you don't catch that, go back and watch it. And then we are going to finish with 24 with, with a similar kind of sentiment. And so it's really cool to see how a lot of wrestling history is made here in, in this six-pack. So, talking about that Rock and Stone Cold match, let's just give a, a little bit of context to that. So, literally the day after WrestleMania 18, Austin walks out the company. He comes back, but then two months later, he walks out again over quote-unquote creative issues. But, I mean, to be fair to Austin, he had a lot of shit going on right then. He was not in the best way, okay? His neck is fucked. He's going through a divorce. And it kind of felt like going from 18 into 19 in that little gap he kind of did feel like somewhat of an afterthought and if i'm stone cold i'm thinking yo i'm stone cold you know to quote prince everybody can't be on top but at the same point in time i'm stone cold you got to have something better for me and there was just a lot going on there and so leading into this match nobody knew that it was going to be austin's last match they kept that close to the vest also rock is coming in as a heel now because this is the time where rock really started to make his footing in Hollywood and his appearances became more and more sporadic and because of that there started to be a growing resentment from the crowd they felt as if Rock turned their back on him you know so they just steered into the skid and as a result of steering into the skid we got one of the best iterations of the Rock I think in Hollywood Rock like everything he did was a jewel as far as I'm concerned yeah, the progression of The Rock's character leading into WrestleMania 19 is uh, it's fun to watch. I mean, it started with, what, the SummerSlam match against Brock Lesnar several months earlier where, you know, he's he just he just turned into this really pompous, arrogant, and The Rock was always that way. I mean, mm -hmm. let's be honest. Mm -hmm. He was always that way. People loved that about him. But then he started to stick it to the fans as more like, you ungrateful sacks of shit. And, you know, all the stuff I've done for you, and now I just don't care anymore. And he, he carries that on with Goldberg 
the thing with Goldberg later on as well. But um, going back to Austin, though, I mean, the thing with Austin is so many of us, and I know Tony and I have talked about this over the six years that the shows have been running, our shows. We always want it, and maybe it's just me, but I know there's a lot of people who feel like me. The thing with Austin is you always, the reason people have wanted one last match out of Austin for 20 years is because we all feel robbed that we didn't, like you said, Chris, no one knew it was his last match. No suspicion it was his last match. Going into that, there were maybe three people who knew it was his last match. Steve, Dwayne, and Vince. And that's really it. And maybe a handful of other people. And you just never got the chance to take in the fact, hey, this is Steve's last match. So that has always kind of been a, a sticking point for me. It's like, God, I really wish I would have known that was his last match. I would have watched. And, he, and the out, it wouldn't have changed the outcome because Steve did the right thing. He went out on his back, put the rock over in the biggest way possible, returned the favor. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on in that match between two guys who were one in his last match, one in pretty much his last few matches of his major run in WWE at that time. So it, it was a great closer to the trilogy, Austin. And, I mean, the stuff that you, it's well-documented, all the health problems Steve had the night before that match, just to even be in that match was damn near miraculous and shows that Austin's toughness wasn't all an act. It wasn't all kayfabe. He's a tough tough dude so getting kind of alluding to what dave was talking about here so number one this was supposed to be the headlining match at this particular mania but austin physically didn't feel that he would be able to live up to the hype of austin rock three so that's how brock and kurt angle got that spot but like dave said the night before stone cold spent it in the emergency room he was having heart palpitations Looking back on it, I think it was more of a panic attack considering how big that the moment was. But, yeah, he was hooked up to the IV and, and this and that and didn't get released until it was time to, you know, head to the arena that morning. Tony, you're looking at me like I'm tripping. A little bit. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, I, I, don't, I doubt it was a panic attack. <laughs> Mike, what say you? Listen, hey, I kept um, my mouth shut. You came at me. <laughs> no, you came at me with that look. No, oh, no, no one's Mike, saying, hey, no one heard that look. Mike, come on, stop the <laughs> shenanigans. Go I, ahead. I saw that look though, but oh. listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of guys and me as a fan needing to see their know their last match, or and I, I don't like when fans scream one more match, and I don't like when guys come back and do one hip toss and say you still got it because. All those things are just a, a thought of the mind, right? And what you want to see, and um, and just that whole thing with Austin going into that though, it, him being in a panic attack. To answer the question, no, he wouldn't have no damn panic attack. He might have had a little bit too much to drink that night. He needed an IV and get some fluids going, you know, may, maybe that. But you could see in that match, and you know, of course, it's the afterthought. If you pay attention to matches, sometimes when WrestleMania is going on, you go kind of. You don't really dissect matches. You're just watching it for the excitement. You go back and you see things. You can see going back him on the ropes and being tired and being, you know, winded and in pain. And, and, and like Dave said, it wasn't just an act. And I think that's one of the things is me not being an Austin guy, because Austin went against my favorite two guys, which are Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. So for me, I, you know, it made me an Austin fan to see how tough, you know, how tough the son of a bitch really was. Touche. So, 
We got to bring up the elephant in the room, gentlemen. All it right, is let me, what it is. Let me say the other one first that I thought what we're about to talk about okay. and just mention real quick. Okay. Why why is Undertaker facing Big Show and Albert? <laughs> why, why is it? What the? Uh, all right, great, perfect. Now we can move on. Thank you guys. Appreciate the. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all get. We're going to no, no, go through a string. It. We're going to go through a string of Taker matches as part of this streak. This list late. This from like ten and zero to twelve and zero. Where it's overrated. Like, yeah, it's like what the hell's going on here? <laughs> There's some he, pretty he, shit. He fought like Kane, Big Show. He fought a, a couple guys Mark like Henry three, four times each. Match. Yeah, like three, four times a piece. Like, come on. But he'll make to up be fair, it. though, yeah. it picks up steam around twenty-one. It yeah, it does. It, it, we, we start to pick up steam, and the, the streak greatest starts. Greatest WrestleMania matches of all time was the end of an era. I know I won't be here for that one, but when y'all get to twenty-eight, remember Mike Knox said the end of an era match should have been the end of an era. And that's where it all should have concluded because that's the freaking story they freaking told us. Or well, if not that one, when he loses, he should have lost to Orton. But I'm sorry. No, I, I like that. Yeah. Come on, I want more of that. It, 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 it killed the legend killer gimmick, right? You make him a legend killer, boom, kill the legend. You know, it was the greatest storyline. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just sitting here. <laughs> Patience, talking. Mike. Patience, we're going to get there. Oh. We, okay, we definitely go. Usai. We definitely Usai. go. I can get my pressure points. I'm sorry. It's my first time on this show. I'm excited. <laughs> we're definitely going to come back to that. And we're going to see the floor to you. So you can, you know, get that shit in about how Orton should have killed that legend. But uh, before we get to the elephant, just real quick. So Kurt Angle was also, speaking of fucked up next, Kurt Angle was also fucked up in this match as well. So much so that they didn't even know if he was going to be able to perform. And they had he who shall not be named on standby just in case Angle wasn't able to perform this match. Obviously, it didn't work out like that, but you can even see it. Like, his neck was so jacked up that his left arm started to atrophy because he couldn't lift and this and that. And Michael Cole, this is the first time I ever caught this, going back and re-watching this block, was as Kurt was walking to the ring, Michael Cole tried to play it off. He said, oh, well, Kurt cut some weight so he can be quicker in this matchup because he's, yeah, you can see it. He just looks... He's, he looks like he's in a bad way, and it's amazing the performance that he was able to put on, all things being considered, right? So, oh, go ahead. Okay. No, you can you can definitely tell that my, you know, Michael Cole, underrated commentator, by the way, um, was trying to sell Kurt Angle on this match, but this is one thing as wrestlers we love and why t- certain guys will always get over. We as wrestling fans, what makes us fans is we're looking at these guys and they're larger than life characters and they're tougher than us and they're they're different than the normal day person, right? At least for the majority of wrestling guys out there. When you've seen Kurt Angle, all you know, Austin and these guys giving their all when you know they're in pain and you know they're you know they're fighting through it just to give you a show. Like Mick Foley will always be loved because of how crazy he is for fans. Jeff Hardy would be loved because he's crazy for fans. People can hate on Shane McMahon if they want to and his fan on punches. The dude jumps off of Titantrons for fans. You know what I mean? So I just think at the end of the day, just enjoy these guys, man. Enjoy them. And, and, and that was something to see. That's something to see that I'm glad I got to witness what he went through and to see him in my life. You know, the three eyes. I used to want that on my arm so bad. It would be, they had the, the uh, was it, WWE Magazine had the three eyes, you know, integrity, intelligence, and then integrity and you had the and you had the American flag was the was the signs and my wife said you better not put that on your body 
So, <laughs> so I wanted that so bad. Those three eyes. I stood by those things for like four or five years, man. So speaking of, well said, by the way, but speaking of guys that I appreciate, Booker T versus Triple H for the World Heavyweight title. Big Goldie, as I affectionately refer it to. And I got to be honest, guys. I had never watched this match before. I couldn't. It was just, it, it was too painful for me. This was the first time that I ever actually sat back and watched this match. I think maybe because of Kofi Mania, because of the ascension of Bobby Lashley recently, perhaps I healed enough to be able to watch this match. And, I mean, it was a good match. You know, it wasn't match of the night or anything like that, but I thought it was a good match. Well, you know, well, well paced, competitive, and whatnot. But that's not the story here. No, it's not. It's not. And the Way story the here, yeah. <laughs> you mean, know what? Any bitches at me for that shit all the time. Kill the lead. Be a professional, the, damn it. I was setting the table, motherfucker. That's I was setting You're the table. About, okay. As soon as you said Triple H versus Booker T, the table was already set. There was nothing else to be said about. Well, we got to talk about the backstory though. He comes into WWE. His first two months, he's booked like a J bro. He catches fire with this gold dust thing, which really is just a hat. It's just a rehash of the rock and sock connection, right? The odd couple type pair. He's over like Rover at this point in time. He's hot as fish grease going into this thing. And then, of course, not only was the storyline laid out the way the storyline was laid out, like it ain't even racial undertones or overtones. It just was what it was. Not only does he lose, because it was set up perfectly if he would have won, but not only does he lose. Not only does he lose clean with no shenanigans, not only does he lose clean with no shenanigans after a pedigree, but then they both proceeded to lay there on the mat for approximately 18 seconds before Triple H goes in for the pin. And quite frankly, it's amazing that Booker even got to the heights that he got to after this. It's a testament to how talented he was as an in-ring performer, in my humble opinion. Oh, that's for me? Okay. Um. <laughs> well, you, you, uh, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> hey, come on, man. I, I, I got to spell it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. I, I, Triple H is my guy. Okay? I, I, I He's my top. You know, I, you know, when I say my guy, not I don't think he's the best of all. And my favorite, he's my top four or five favorite guys of all time in the business. I so love Triple just, H. Little insider baseball. Him and I, we've had this conversation off air, and I believe on air before as well. So I, I already know what he's been to say. It's just, it's just, it's hard. Here's my thing as a black man in wrestling, right? You have to accept as a black man, as I don't care who you are, wrestling is what it is. They've made fun of blacks, whites, Hispanics, Puerto Ricans. I mean, you name it. There's no off button with them, okay? But for our culture, there's just certain things you don't cross. You know what I mean? Like, if I was of, you know, a Mexican descent, and when they had the Juan Deers come out, that had really offended me, that they called them Juan Deers. Okay? But to me, being a black guy, it was funny. Right? What we didn't find funny was to grab my bags, because that's what your people do. Kind of line. That's, it's a level of humor, and there's a level of putting, you know, getting out the shovel. And that was one of them lines that was like, damn, that to me, that storyline was worse than when Vince McMahon actually said the N-word on TV. I think this was worse in a sense of how it was built. And I was 
upset at it. And, but I remember watching the match and ready for this cold knocking. I went for Triple H in this match because that was still my guy, despite the storyline. So that's that's it right there. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> Dave, go ahead and get in here, man. You've been silent for a minute. Yeah, because I'm white. That's why I'm silent. You know, I, it's just like, what am I going to say? What am I going to add to this? You're talking about throwing fish grease on a fire. A 52-year-old white man's going to say, At least you said fish grease. There you probably, go, you came. <laughs> uh, probably not the best of booking decisions, but, you know, I was it racially motivated? Probably. Was it WCW motivated? I think that had a lot to do with it as well, that Vince was yes. not going to put Goldie on a WCW guy, not at this point in time. It's still it's still too soon. You know, the corpse wasn't completely rigor mortis yet on WCW. So, I mean, I get it. You know, we're going to talk... Interesting booking decisions come WrestleMania 31 with Sting and Triple H. That's going to be another hot-button topic that we're going to discuss. Similar sort of stuff, except an old white guy like me instead of Booker T. You know, I mean, should Booker have gone over? Sure, absolutely. Would it have changed the trajectory of their respective careers? Eh, probably not a whole lot. I mean, they both had tremendous careers. This, this was a bad decision, yes, but it wasn't like you're saying, Chris. The heights that Booker reached after this really almost make you go back and say, okay, that was a bad decision, but no harm, no foul in some ways. I mean, Booker had a tremendous career. Hunter's had a tremendous career. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's problematic. I mean, a lot of the stuff that they've done with African-Americans and, and stuff like that and booking decisions, and, and they seem to be trying to right that ship right now. Although we'll see what happens at 37 with Drew and Lashley, but uh, you know I I I get it. I I do. I know there's race involved in it to a certain extent. I do think the WCW factor probably gets understated in this whole why did Triple H go over? Because Vince wanted his guy to go over the five-time WCW champion. But yeah, I mean you could debate a lot of that stuff. No, that's a good point too. I think the WCW factor. I think. Obviously, that is a factor because we and and we'll talk about that more and more, not only as we progress during this episode, but in, in future episodes as well. Uh, Tony, real quick, man. So, you know, initially it was supposed to be Albert and Big Show versus Undertaker and Nathan Jones. And Nathan Jones was just that horrible that they had to take him out the match. So, Tony, what's your favorite Nathan Jones match, sir? Who gives a shit? I got something to say about Booker T and Triple H. What the fuck, man? <laughs> fuck Nathan Jones. <laughs> Get another white guy in here. Come on, Tony. You need another white guy in here. No, I mean, I, I want to know. I feel like Booker T is on a long list of of black wrestlers that didn't get their due that would have probably been better off being born 20, 25. Hour. Could you imagine Booker T being in his prime right now? The, the, the amount of things that would have been there for him to do as opposed to when he was, when he was in the business, and then coming in from WCW as well. So, I mean, it's too bad, in my opinion, that he didn't get a better run in WWE the way the way that he should have. That's my overall opinion on it. And and this what, booking what? decision, oh, this booking decision and the Undertaker thing, to me, make it the two steps away from being one of maybe the greatest cards in any business. Go ahead, Mike. What were you going to ask me? No, I was going to say, what didn't Booker T do in his, in his WWF career to me? I, he, he, think? Didn't, he didn't have a nice title run. He didn't get the belt and keep it for a while and it really go over on a bunch of people like he should have. He should have been one of the megastars. 
but he really wasn't. He was kind of, I, I don't know. I, I just expected more from what the WWE did with him. That's my whole thing. I mean, the way okay. the guy was on fire, absolutely on fire, on a company that was I absolute I think today he shit. couldn't have got over. You don't think so? I don't think that – because I look at Booker T's gimmick. I look at certain wrestlers' gimmicks, right? You look at how – what makes the New Day great is that they're progressive. That's what makes the Usos great to me. They're progressive. Booker T stayed in that sucker gimmick of this, this 80s jive-talking way that I don't think – Today's kids would be like, "What's that?" Like that's why I, that's why I'm surprised that the oh boy with the flip flops, oh bro, gets over so well. Riddle. He could wrestle, but when he talks, it's like I feel like I'm watching Fast Times at the Richmond High. And who knows what that movie is? I do because I'm old, you know. <laughs> but uh, I got this ultimate set of tools, man. I can fix it. I can fix it. He needs man. to say that enough sometimes. Yeah, he, does, he does. He does. He need to say that. That's. One of the funniest lines of all Spicoli he's talking about, but those don't know. Spicoli, that's what he plays. Pick up your but, mind, dude. Is he going to shit or is he going to kill us? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I figured everybody would be okay with a little bit of Zah on our time. <laughs> <laughs> Bob. So before we move on, gentlemen, just around the horn, anybody have any last WrestleMania 19 thoughts? Something that they're just itching to get off their minds? I think real fast that that the uh, the Shawn Michaels net match again, I think it was one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history with Jericho, and I I think when it comes to the spectrum, including myself, and to I had to listen again. You, you always love shows like this because you got a chance to go back if you're smart and you want to know what you're talking about and do a little bit of homework, a little due diligence, pay some respect to the show, and and doing that I was like, yo, this match I remember. And again, I'm a Michaels Mark and I'm a Jericho Mark. I, I was a Jericho fan for the first time I ever seen him say, come on, baby! And he put his foot on somebody's chest in WCW. I was like, who is this dude to put his foot on somebody's chest for a pen? Yeah, and got like a one count out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I I've been a Jericho fan since then. So to see these guys go at it and to see the how just great this match was, and again, I also think, without being said, the Los Guerreros, Benoit, Rhino, again, Team Angle tag team match was just, you know, nine minutes. And that match was fast and going, and it's things like this WrestleMania, you look at we were talking about a 19, you go, well, Vince, you got all this talent in your, in your locker room, and you're putting out Bad Bunny. You're giving almost a match. AJ Styles dedicated to a tag team match, but almost, like, it's sad. But it's many a season. I'm sorry, I digress. On to the next one. <laughs> and that was actually a, a really great segue because this marks Shawn Mike's first WrestleMania since 14. And He's going to be very prevalent in this block that we're going to talk about and things to come because I, this was one of the rare times, in my humble opinion, that the sequel surpassed the original. He was great before, but I feel as if this run that he had, Shawn Michaels Part 2 Electric Boogaloo, mm -hmm. it solidifies him, in my head, mm -hmm. as the greatest in-ring performer from bell to bell during this modern time. era. I, 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 mod I say modern era. I go 75 to now. I, I agree with you, but I'm also a mark, but I, I like where you're going with that. That second half of Shawn Michaels' career, arguably, I, I don't even hate that. I don't even use that word. It's not even arguably. It's head and shoulders above the beginning parts of Shawn Michaels' career. Just maybe not in shape-wise, but just what he did, I think, then coming back off of the booze, off of the liquor, finding himself. And you just hear when your peers talk about you the way that who's new to the program, which catching on now the way you introduce me, you can't get higher remarks in that than your peers. So 
I think that's where it is for Michaels. When your peers say you're the greatest, you're the greatest. It doesn't matter what we say. But when they say, yo, inside that ring, Shawn Michaels, it speaks a lot. So speaking of Shawn, WrestleMania 20, we're going to talk about that. But first, got to pay a couple of bills. You're listening to Mania Madness on the Chairshot Radio. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com Promotional consideration paid for by the following Hey folks, PC Tony here, thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade You can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10% that's angrylemonade.net. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Welcome back to Mania Madness Part 4, ladies and gentlemen. Before we get going here, head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot. Pick yourself up a chairshot t-shirt. It makes a great present as well. I guarantee it. And thank you, everybody, to your listenership on Chairshot Radio Network right there on thechairshot.com. Sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment thechairshot.com always use your head excellent segue excellent segue sir so leading in here to Wrestlemania 20 Dave one thing that I picked up on that I thought was kind of interesting going back and watching all these previous manias it seems as if every 10 years there's somewhat of a paradigm shift in WWE slash F I mean so obviously Wrestlemania 1 was a game changer we go to WrestleMania 10. It's the proper coronation of Bret Hart. And then also you have Shawn Michaels kind of running parallel to that as well, excelling or, you know, yeah, we'll just say excelling because I can't think of the word, into the main event. Obviously, WrestleMania 30, we've got the culmination of the Yes Movement storyline and the breaking of the streak, which we'll get into that more next week. And this one right here, with a moment that I feel... It's unfortunate how Chris Benoit's life ended up and how it ended. And I I don't mean that to be crass. And if that's how it comes across, I apologize. But I feel as if him and Eddie Guerrero embracing with both of their titles as the confetti is falling down at the end of this mania, this should have went down as one of the most iconic moments in the history of WWE. For obvious reasons, we know why it didn't. But I also feel like this kind of set the table for where we were going in the modern era. So if this mania, Dave, if this mania doesn't happen, is there a space for guys like a Daniel Bryan or a CM Punk or AJ Styles or even a guy like Rey Mysterio, who we'll talk about him in, a, in you know in a couple of years? Is there a space for those guys to be able to become top guys? Probably not. And I think, you know, you got to go back a little bit earlier than even this one to talk about like when Bret Hart starts to ascend to the throne as to when the smaller guys, guys like Daniel Bryan and things like that started to become more, uh, you know, more acceptable for what it was. I, I do agree with you. Like one, 10 and 20 were paradigm shifts in the industry. They also had something else in common. All of them emanated from Madison square garden. So that's a big factor that that is MSG is the Holy grail of WWE, WWF, whatever the hell you want to call it. But you know, I, I still, to this day, I know what I know about Chris Benoit. We know about the tragedy with Eddie Guerrero. You say this should have been a bigger moment. I, I argue that it's still a huge moment in WrestleMania history with those two guys and everything that they went through. And, and even if you just isolate that moment for what it is, 
and kind of exclude all the extraneous stuff that happened afterwards. It is still one of the most, you know, right up there with Macho and Liz getting back together. It's probably the most emotional WrestleMania moment in history. And I, and I don't think that that gets watered down because of what Chris Benoit did. But I, I mean, I get what you're saying, Chris. It, it does, you know, you look at it with, you, you can't look at it with blinders on. It's just impossible. But if you just try to do that and look at it for the moment it was in WrestleMania history, those two best friends and everything that they went through, it's heartwarming and tragic at the same time because the future does kind of come in and cloud your perspective of things. But I mean, 20 is a tremendous event. And I know we're going to talk about it, but I still say this is the best triple threat match in WrestleMania history right here on this card. And maybe we got one coming at 37 that has the potential to come close to that. But for my money, this is the best triple threat match in Mania history. Well, really, it set the template for the triple threat matches that came after it, really. Like, you can you see the callbacks in a lot of those matches. But, Mike, just being human, we, we all do this. We're all full of shit. We're all content contradictory on certain levels you know what I mean it's, that's just the nature of human beings and there's something, certain people that they commit atrocities and we can't rock with them anymore like for example I can't rock with R. Kelly at this point he's a sexual deviant making sexual deviant music that just hits a little too close to home for me right. but with the Chris Benoit thing I, I feel bad because I can separate the man from his body of work and I'm able to go back and watch his matches and appreciate them still just on the merit of those matches. Does that mm. make me an asshole? No, it doesn't. And I think the, one of the biggest problems I have with wrestling fans in general is that we act like, A, we're not human. We act as if we can't, we don't make mistakes and our lives aren't the way they are. Um, that just in general, just we have no idea what really happened. We know what we know what we see. We know what was told to us. You go off of that and you just pray if you have a heart for the family and everything that's a tragedy, the whole incident in itself. And I don't even let that cross into my wrestling. So when I think of WrestleMania 20, first thing that comes to my mind honestly is that if anybody remember this, the way they advertised it was 24 hours of WrestleMania. And I watched this thing from like 7 a.m. in the morning, I think it started, because they showed every single WrestleMania that day on TV, and leading up to the big event. That, I mean, we had the party, my wife, we got belts and things all out, and mid-pay-per-view, we were all snoring, because we had drank and smoked way too much before the pay-per-view ever started, okay? So by while this thing was on, we waking up, like, she has pictures of, like, me and my boys all in the living room, like, passed the fuck out, like, just sitting there, like, and wake up, like, oh, shit, this is going on. But when I look at this WrestleMania, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And also, again, I'm going to say this because I like being on shows like yours. Fans ruined Austin versus, I mean, not Austin, Goldberg versus Brock. I don't care. They ruined it. You ruined it, Austin. You ruined it. Okay? Because that match could have been great and we will never know because from the beginning of the match all you heard was people bitching and complaining the same way fans bitch and complain why spend a bunch of money to go to New York City of all places to bitch and complain that's a lot of money to be wasted okay I was in New Orleans a couple years back 
And everybody booed Roman out of the building. God wanted to fight me sitting right next to me. You're cheering for Roman? Like, motherfucker, I bought my ticket. I cheer for, I cheer for anybody. I don't give a... I'm a grown man. I like them all. You know what I'm saying? I'm here for WrestleMania. Like, let that match happen. It was Goldberg versus Brock, and we never got to see it. And everybody got their little... I don't even think that stunner was even planned. I don't. I don't even think that stunner was planned. I think it just... Austin just did it because they were booing so bad, and they were professional enough to go with it. Okay, who cares if these guys are part-time to what they do? That's my opinion. Who cares? Get mad at Vince for hiring these guys for letting them be part-timers. I'm sorry. Well, let's get No, we were getting there anyway. So let's just go ahead and get into it. So we got Brock versus Berg part 1. So leading into this match, okay? Goldberg had been with WWE for about a year. Mm-hmm. We can all year. see it, yeah, worthless year. It wasn't working out. It, 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 he just looked like a square peg in a round hole in WWE. They even mm-hmm. changed his music for Christ's sakes, and just they the the essence of what made Goldberg Goldberg it just didn't connect in WWE. <laughs> yeah, some twenty years it, later, it, it, it hasn't stopped him to continue to try to put that peg into that hole. Well, they, they figured it out. It. Just I, I, I know on it. That's all. A little rough, yeah. but it gets in there. <laughs> I know what Tony's saying too. He's being an asshole, so kiss my ass on that, Tony. He's he's alluding to uh, situations and circumstances I can't talk about on air. But asshole lips. Watching too much Pop. But it just didn't work out for whatever reason. So Vince Berg, they look at each other and say, "Yeah, we're good here. You know, no hard feelings. We're just gonna go our separate ways." Now, we talked about how 19 was supposed to be the coronation for Brock, and he was supposed to be the next guy. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he was the next guy. But by 20, he's sick of the business. He's sick of the travel. He's sick of the lifestyle. He's sick of the people. He doesn't want to be here anymore. He thinks he's going to go play football. Shout out to Brock, by the way. He is in John Madden football on the Minnesota Vikings that particular year. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I should have put that in Platts Facts, but I forgot to write it down, so I had to throw it out there then. So he he is on John Madden football. He's like third string, but he's there. So he's sick of this shit, and he's ready to go. So Vince is a little pissed, because initially Brock was going to go over, but he felt a way about Brock leaving because of all the time, effort, energy, and money they had put into him. So, that being said, this is really... I think kind of the rise of the internet in terms of wrestling. I mean, you have people that, you know, they read the observer, they read the torch, but I felt like we're, we're kind of getting into the modern era here in, in terms of wrestling fans thinking that we know more than we know. So number one, it's New York city, which is a pretty smarky crowd. Anyway, number two, Dave, it's WrestleMania, which is the smarkiest of the smarkiest. And by the time this match came along, they just completely and ugly poo pooed on it. Yeah, like the first two installments of the uh, wrestle of the Mania Madness thing, my my mantra was remember children. This is before the internet, and now it's like remember children. The internet's in full swing here, so everybody knew what was going on, and they just absolutely shit over this match. And like like Mike saying, you pay a lot of money to go to New York just to shit on a match. You got to also remember, this is New York, and there was a lot of local people from from New York who came there anyway. And those are some of the most sarcastic, surly, nasty fans when they want to be, and they let these guys have it. And and you also have to factor in, a lot of these fans were pissed that they didn't get Goldberg versus Austin, which is what everybody really kind of wanted to happen when Goldberg showed up, but Austin was done. And, and that's why Austin is the most over guy in this match. So when he stuns Brock and he stuns Goldberg, and that gets probably the biggest pop of the night, 
no real surprise there, but it's unfortunate. I, I mean, you know, you see what they did at 33, five minutes of fury, that, that sort of match. This could have been easily that good, if not better, but the fans weren't having it and they were just done with the whole thing and they didn't give a shit about this match. And, and like Mike says, it's unfortunate. We could have had a really, really top notch match, top notch match. If the fans had been into it, who knows what those guys, what kind of story they might've told and Austin getting, you know, in on that, that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it is, you know, it is what it is. Right. And I mean, Tony on paper, this was a dream match. And I mean, let's keep it above. If you go back and rewatch the match, they basically did the warrior Hogan WrestleMania six beat for beat. So if the, if the crowd had been into it, I'm not saying it could have reached that level, but that's clearly where that that's the template that they use for this. So I literally watched this match today. Uh, I I think the biggest mistake. I'm they, sorry. Yeah, you should be. We all should be. Uh, I, but I think the biggest mistake they made was taking so long to get into it. The crowd was already not thrilled about what was going on. The longer they stood there and nobody did a damn thing, and even Austin looks at him at some point and goes, "You motherfuckers want to wrestle or what?" I mean, they're just gonna. He knows. He knows. The longer they wait to start fucking having action and take those fans' minds off of what they don't like. The sooner, and it happens just like that, they just start yelling Austin because they that's all they give a shit about. Let me ask you guys this. It just and, and, and just, again, I'm, I'm always anal on fans because I just think we're hard on everything. Apple, Android, Marvel, DC, it's all stupid to me. But they're, they're all good products. Why do fans take, like, you, you, Dave spoke about, but they wanted Austin and Goldberg, right? But you knew going in you wasn't getting Austin and Goldberg. You knew you were getting... You know Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. I, I just don't get. Or can you guys? Why do fans feel the need to try to change a show? I just think a lot of people were in denial. Like I talked about earlier, like not accepting that it really was Austin's last match. And I mean, you're talking one year removed from that at this point. So the plausibility of Austin wrestling Brock or Goldberg was still okay. That's tan- it's it's actual at this point. Maybe they're going to do something at 20. Maybe Austin's going to jump in there and have a match. So it, it, it was at least quasi-realistic at the time. I think that had a lot to do with it. But yeah, I mean, you know, wrestling fans, we've all been doing these podcasts for how many years now? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we we all know what they're, what they're all about. I mean, if they don't get their way, they are very vocal and, and, and very outspoken about what they think should happen, why they think it should happen, when they should, when they think it should happen, you know. I mean that that's nothing new. I mean since the advent of dirt sheets and the internet, I mean you know. Bingo. We, we've that's, all seen you just, it. That's you just hit the nail on the head, Dave. That's what it is. It's the the rise of the dirt sheets because now fans think they know more than we actually do. You know what I mean? So they think that they're quali- we think that we're qualified to have an opinion. And, you know, not to bury the Meltzers or the Kellers or the uh, no, Bill Actors or any of that. Bury them. Bury them. Bury What was the well, first one? Hashtag depth of dirt sheets. This is why I can't bury them, though. Because if it wasn't them, it would have been somebody. This, I feel as if this was inevitable. Touché. You know what I mean? Is yeah. that a new lunch? Like when you order a patty melt and a seltzer, you get a Meltzer? I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just and on like... the golf course, you can have a Meltzer driver. Oh, you know? look at that. Ooh. Just I just know he's an asshole. How about that, Dave? <laughs> Dave Meltzer. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. Okay. He's a oh, piece no. of, he's a he's a tool. 
who other tools in the in the in the box follow him, and none of them have a screw to be un to be undone to have any kind of sense to seeing what's underneath the hood because they're just they just talk to talk. It's like the world we live in is such a trolling environment. The Messier's like a wrestling troll. And so people like it and they go to it. And that's what sells, unfortunately. You know, when we all thank the great Petey Green for that one, you know, there wasn't no Petey Green, there'd be no, uh, 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 what's my guy on Series XM who runs Series XM? Uh, Howard Stern. You know what oh, I mean? Howard Stern. Yeah. You go from yeah, Petey to Howard. And, 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 yeah, and, and that's where everybody wants to be. You know what I'm saying? Instead of giving real information. People will go to YouTube and say, well, who do you listen to? Who you get your information from? I'm sorry, if I don't hear nothing from out of the Hollywood Reporter, from, you know, from those kind of magazines that come out of Hollywood themselves, if I don't get an ESPN alert, don't tell me that John Brown's auntie said that Deshaun Jackson wasn't playing on Monday. I don't care about Deshaun John's, you know, sorry. I want to hear from a credible source. So get your sources checked. And Dave Metzger is just... We all can right here, right now, say what we think as an intelligent wrestling fan and guarantee you someone's going to stick because it's we're just it's the business. Doesn't mean you have an inside source. That's all. I'm sorry, a little rant. I apologize. No, you're good. And fuck Dave Meltzer. I'm not scared to say it. But the problem is, like I said earlier, man, if it wasn't him, it would have been somebody. Just because, especially considering we're in the Attitude Era, it was going to blow up and people wanted to know more and more information. So it it, it was bound to happen. Either way, regardless. I was on Twitter today, and, and somebody said, send me a tweet from WrestleMania 3. And I'm not sure if it's someone. I can't remember <laughs> who it was. It might have been someone we know or someone we know retweeted it. And they said, there's this guy named Dave Meltzer counting all the people in all the seats right now. <laughs> Bob. That's funny. Or fuck Andre and his work rate, right? Oh, whoa. <laughs> there's only 87,000 people here. Somebody miscount it. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing else I wanted to bring up here on this show, man, because I, I thought it was a good show, but we also have to bring up the Smitty Rock. Smitty was ass. Next. What? Smitty was ass. What? The first Mania that lasts five hours. It was too long. It was too drawn out. The crowd ruined certain kind of matches. The only matches that had to pay off was the Rock and Sock because you got to see the Rock again. Right, and then you got this finally see for that other side of wrestling fans that were on the come up. Because to me, I think that the ruthless aggression era is better than the attitude era. Okay, so when those guys you do get to your said you're been wild and your Eddie Guerrero's going over, but to me, that's where the the tipping. When you look at a whole entire car and its substance, you go back to what you just you guys talked about on previous shows 17, 18, and we're talking about 19, they all surpassed 20 to me. So 20 was a step back for it being back in New York, an all-day event, having Austin, Rock, all these great guys on this card, all these up-and-comers on this card. I don't think they delivered besides that guy I can't bring up right now. Mike, Mike, we had Rey Mysterio in some of the greatest WrestleMania attire ever. Rey Mysterio dressed up as Flash in this WrestleMania to win the Cruiserweight Open. Come on, man. I forgot about that moment. Yes, but Ray Mysterio always did that. So sometimes, and, and you see, I see you got the shirt on. But Ray always did that stuff. You know what I mean? So um, you got that at a rate. What was that one he had at summer? It was him and he dressed up as the Riddler and Cody dressed or the up Joker. as the He was the Joker, the Joker. I think. Like, yes. they, they, they all yeah. played each other with their yeah, costumes. I was yeah. like, yo, that was pretty dope. They also did a um, Captain America and a Soldier one in one of their matches, too. Right now, uh, Xavier and Kofi with the Mortal Kombat tribute. And then oh, the first week it. they came out and uh, Kofi did the Scorpion and he did the Get Over Here from the corner. 
Man, I was like, yeah. that that is it's, that it's is things excellent. like that that keeps a new day going. They're oh. they're in with the trends and they know how to to be relevant for now. You gotta be now. You know, I, mean, I think that's what's kind of keeping Orton going. I think Twitter's keeping somebody like Orton alive right now because you get to see a different personality from him. Although again, I think Kate Fabe is dead and that's what's killing professional wrestling. But another subject, another another show. No, nah, but I, I feel what you're saying. But just real quick, yeah, we did get Rock and Sock Connection versus Evolution, and that's significant because Rock is out of here until we get to next week. We don't see him again after that until we get to next week. But Dave, Mike, you know, he came in hot right now, man. I enjoyed WrestleMania 20. So what, what say you, Dave? WrestleMania 20, underrated, I, overrated, properly rated? Probably overrated. I think I agree with Mike to a certain extent. It's not 17, it's not 18, it's not 19. It's... um. You know, you look at the card, and there's, I mean, there's okay matches up and down. Evolution, Rock and Sock. Christian Jericho is probably an underrated match a little bit with the Trish Stratus involvement. That that was that was a better match than I think people give it credit for. But it's really the championship matches. Eddie Guerrero stealing the match against Kurt Angle, doing what he does, lying, cheating, and stealing. And then that triple threat match, which was built up really, really well. Because And kind of, you know, you do see the similarities between that and what's going on right now. You've got the Shawn Michaels-Triple H rivalry, which was red hot, almost mm-hmm. damn near white hot at this point mm-hmm. in time. Mm-hmm. And then you got Benoit, who wins the Royal Rumble from, what, the one position or something mm-hmm. like that, if I remember? Mm-hmm. And right. he gets was he, inje- was he one? I think he was he two. Was, no, was he, he was one. one. I, I was actually at okay. that wrestle. I was at that Royal uh, Rumble in Philadelphia when he won that, made my first appearance on Sunday Night Heat that night. Predicted him win the Rumble. I can't lie, because we talked about it. I did look at the dirt sheets. They said he was going to win. So when I got asked on TV, I clearly said it was Benoit. So I got to be honest with that one wow. right there. Um, but like, like I said, think a, I think a dirt sheet predicted Benoit to win this year's Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but you were right about that, Michaels and, 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 and Triple H drive, because that was that that was that Royal Rumble where they got carried out in the church together because mm-hmm. they beat they, they beat each other's ass so bad. Right. So. And then Benoit comes in, and you get this, and you get this triple threat match, which is really—I mean—and it's—and it's—I still think the best triple threat match in Mania history because you've got, you've got all these guys just beating the holy hell out of each other, and and Benoit seemingly out of the match, like Michaels and Triple H. At one point, they take him out so that they can, and they kind of look at each other and say, "Let's go, let's finish this thing." Benoit gets back in, and I think he taps out Triple H in this match, right? If I remember correctly. It's yeah, a phenomenal. It is a phenomenal triple threat match between three guys who, yeah, I understand. Like we talked about earlier, you can't just ignore what happened with Benoit. But you look at these three guys in their prime in this match for 25 minutes. You don't get matches like that anymore. And I think the strength of that match alone elevates this WrestleMania up to at least good status you know i i tend to agree with mike it's probably overrated people look at it with a lot of nostalgia because it's rock's last mania for eight years but i you know it probably a little bit overrated i mean you know wedge between those championship matches is undertaker kane for the second time unmasked kane the match really didn't live up to the first one at all it's just like what the fuck are we watching why but, yeah, um, but that's that's not what it was about, though. It was about the reintroduction to the dead okay. man taker. And, and that's an important that's, that's what it was that's about. an important factor that we haven't talked about yet. It was the end of Dead Man Inc. and the wow. reintrodu- reintroduction of the dead man. 
So that's an important thing to talk about or to at least can contemplate. It, at least touch on because, yeah, this is going to lead to some strings of bangers yeah. with Taker. And he's really going to solidify himself. This is like, I guess, his would it be his third act or his fourth act? What would y'all say? Fourth, I would say I would third say act. Fourth, I would say his fourth act because the purple, the the Taker, first Taker, is completely oh, uh, different. Dish than, glove, dish glove well, Taker? Yeah, you know, like the actually the Paul Bear Taker, you know, Undertaker in the graveyard kind of coloring of that time. Then you go from when he had his face broke. That don't really count because just the mass just went with him. But like that, Dead Man, then you get uh, Badass. So I guess that's three. I look at that's three. That's the third one. That's the third one. And this was really the start. We'll, we'll get to it here momentarily. But the that but... entrance. That entrance. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. That entrance oh, yeah. with the Druids. I give, I give him this. Undertaker has the second greatest entrances in WrestleMania history. I said it. Yeah, you're going to say Triple H, right? Uh, goddamn right. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but but speaking of Taker transitioning from the Biker Taker back to the Dead Man, I talked about how this WrestleMania, it was sort of a paradigm shift. So we've got two smaller guys on top. We've got Dead Man Taker back. We've got the end of The Rock and well, no, we'll see Mick Foley, but we got the end of The Rock, we got the rise of evolution, and something else that is big that happened here happened very early, which was the first WrestleMania of appearance of the one, the only, Mr. John Cena. And obviously, that's going to be a much bigger deal as we lead into everything else. Everything else that's happening on the rest of this show, that's going to be a much bigger deal lead into that. Is why I went for him at WrestleMania 28. So all I'm say, the, the I was the only idiot in Miami that cheered for the for, for John Cena in Miami. I was an idiot, PC. The pop that the crowd gives off when he picks him up, like I mean, and this is Big Show at his fucking biggest. If he's 500 pounds, then I'm seven feet fucking tall, and I'm starting for the Bucks tomorrow night against whoever the fuck they're playing. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm six one. He could use right? you. They, come on now, they're playing great. They won nine out of like we we already talked about that tonight. We ain't doing that again. Uh, the, nah, the, the, still winning their feast. The pot. God damn it, Mike! Don't don't entice me to talk sports like that. Brooklyn, and then you got Dave me. over here talking about Bradley Beal in Washington. Yeah. No, we're not Brooklyn, doing it. We're not doing I ain't it. talking about Bradley Beal in Washington. <laughs> Jesus Christ! They're losing <laughs> by twenty to the Knicks tonight. <laughs> he honey. Said, why are you bringing me into this conversation? <laughs> I'm out of this thing right now. It it was. Uh, it, the the WrestleMania rap he does beforehand, the crowd was into it. The crowd was into him, and um, yeah, I, I, it's it, it was just a really good end of the match. Anytime you can get Big Show to let you, you know, put yourself over like that. I'm sorry, take it so, back. They're losing by thirty to the Knicks right now. So fuck <laughs> off. Oh joy. Sorry. Well, shout out to Julius Randall, by the way. But so leading into WrestleMania 21, this is actually one of my favorite WrestleManias as well. And this is supposed to be the culmination or the coronation, rather, of John Cena and Batista. So, okay, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where I want to start here. I think I'm going to start with Batista. So Batista goes on last versus Triple H. Great storyline, the dis dissolving of evolution. At the end of the night, Batista's got the title raised high, and you're thinking that he's the top guy. Obviously, it doesn't end like that, because I believe the very next night on Raw, they had the draft, and they drafted Cena 
over to Raw and Batista went over to SmackDown. So earlier in the night, Cena beat JBL to win his first title. And gentlemen, I, I gotta be honest. I watched this live. At the time, I was kind of a fringe watcher just because I was going through some things in my personal life. I didn't have cable, so I didn't get to see the whole rise of John Cena. I dig dig the thugonomics gimmick and the, the the rapping white guy and that was a thing back then you know Eminem was big it, it was one of the few times that WWE actually steered right into the pop culture skid and they were right there because you know typically WWE they'd be a year or two behind the trends but they were right there with that with the John Cena thing and I think that that grew organically and he obviously started as a heel but the fans started to cheer for him I kind of feel like though at this Wrestlemania I feel like the push was rushed and it didn't feel organic to me and I think that that came across with the crowd as well and Mike I feel like that's one of the reasons why we're going to get some of the issues with Cena that we see leading to some of these subsequent Wrestlemanias and I never understood those reasons of those complaints and a push of a push wrestling is wrestling they're going to push what they want everybody's been shoved down our throats there's not a single superstar that you can tell me you love that's been champion, maybe with the exception of Daniel Bryan. And some will even argue and say that Daniel Bryan's been pushed down your throat because they didn't like the whole yes movement thing. But that's just what side of the spectrum you sit on. This is, to me, arguably one of the greatest WrestleManias that there ever was, was 21. And seeing, being uh, part of John Cena's fan base, <laughs> okay, like, um, you know, none of my own personal stuff, but just me being involved at that time, I get put on the mat because of John Cena, you know, white guy rapping, finds black guy from Delaware, his album comes out for the first time, so I'm all for Cena, I thought the crowd was red hot for Cena at this point, the fan base um, I, I just overall, it's just nothing that this WrestleMania did not bring to us, and I just want to step, stop right there without going into, you know too far and going ahead with something else I might want to say but, uh, maybe PC, you want to take it from here, because to me, this WrestleMania I can talk about it the entire night you know what? You you can't be so surprised though that John Cena, Batista, Edge is about to be pushed as well. We're coming off of Brock Lesnar getting a rocket strapped to his ass and then turn around and going, eh, Vince, hey, thanks for all of that. And I know this is kind of going to fuck you over, but I'm going to go play football. I mean, Vince saw a guy in John Cena and then to Edge later on that this this is their life. This is number one, right? I mean, there's a difference when you have someone like The Rock and eventually Cena does to go, he's not full-time anymore, but there's a difference when those guys graduate to that level, it only helps your business. But when Brock it right. gets a rocket strapped to his ass and turns around and pretty much says, fuck you, th that's going to be a big problem. I don't know how, Dave, you feel about that, but, you know, that's just kind of where I was so, going with it. So, so real quick, Dave, I, I have to throw this out there. I love Cena, and I miss Cena to this day. I really do. But at this particular point in time, there was a legitimate argument backstage. Is it Cena or is it Batista? Now, ultimately, you know, Batista, he, he gets the, the main event rub here, but he's a little bit older than Cena. Obviously, subsequent years, he proves to be a little injury prone. And and I say this not as a knock to Cena. I know it has negative connotations, but I, I mean this in the most complimentary of ways. Cena was the ultimate company guy. No matter what WWE needed him to do, he was going to do it, and he was going to do it to the best of his capabilities. And coming off an era where you had Brock Lesnar, you gave him the moon, the stars, and the sun, and he said, fuck you, I'm going to play football. Obviously, 
we talked about the Stone Cold issues, and I'm sure The Rock wasn't the easiest person to deal with backstage the more and more power he got. And Hulk Hogan, I mean, that's all I got to say is Hulk Hogan. So I think it was like a breath of fresh air for Vince to have a guy that, okay, boss, whatever you say. And, and, and I mean, if it wasn't Cena, who else was it going to be? Seriously. Nobody. Because Cena had, he had that element of charisma that these other guys didn't have. Batista had, was every bit as big, you know, obviously as John Cena was. But he didn't have, what, 120th of Cena's charisma. He couldn't talk as well. I mean, Batista's not the worst talker. But he just didn't have John's that that it's 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 charisma. It's a lot of intangibles. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of intangibles that are going on with John Cena, who just he was he he was yeah. They're going to strap the rocket to him, and and I and I, and I I tend to agree with Mike that uh, you know this WrestleMania WrestleMania 21 is I'd say it's a little underrated. You know when you, when you look back on it, and the more I look back on it, look at the match, and I think about the matches that took place. It's like, wow, this really was a hell of a WrestleMania at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, the whole Hollywood moniker about it. But, I mean, just the fact that Money in the Bank gets invented here is <laughs> may fly under the radar as the most important development at WrestleMania 21. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. I Also, I, I got to bring up Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels. I hadn't seen this match in a while Granted, I had a couple drinks in me when I watched it this weekend, but at the end of that match, I literally stood up off my couch and gave both those gentlemen a standing ovation. I love that match that fucking much. Kurt Angle's biggest payday in his career. This match was top seven WrestleMania match of all time. And I, I'm not putting it in my mafia. I think where I think as a wrestling fan, you got to put it somewhere in there. It's 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 not maybe your top WrestleMania match of all time, but if you're looking at from a a it depends on what kind of wrestling fan you are. I always think you, people should always you know pay attention to that as fans. You know, some guys don't understand sports entertainment wrestling. Some people want all the way Matt wrestling. To me, it's a perfect mixture. And Angle, Michaels, Hart, uh, you know th- those kind of my, uh, Triple H and Barry Windham, those kind of guys. They, they just ooze that being able to. Uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton. They can be they can be sports entertainment, but still give you hard hitting good wrestling. Well, I'm a big Sheamus guy. You know what I mean? Like you gotta have those kind of guys that can just give you what you need from any kind of crowd, any kind of fan base. And Michaels and and and, and Kate, right, Kurt Angle, those are just hands down. Like Kurt Angle has to be the best technical wrestler I've ever seen. We may love Bret Hart, we may love Shawn Michaels. This man's an Olympic gold medal with a, with a broken fucking neck. Okay, so there's no better wrestler than that guy. And the fact that he was able to come in and learn so quickly from these other guys is this this WrestleMania. I'm sorry, I mean, we, Orton and Undertaker, Legend Killer. So, I mean, this this WrestleMania, Doug. I'm sorry. I, this is I, I'm I'm marking out over here. We we gonna get to Orton, man, because I want you to I want you to get on your soapbox. About I just that. I but wanted to, to say something about Sean, though. I mean, this is he's got the label of Mister WrestleMania, even though he doesn't have the best win loss record in WrestleMania because of stuff like this match here, because of stuff like he loses the triple threat match at twenty, no one cares. He beats Jericho at nineteen, great, fine, but it, it, he almost is more legendary in defeat than he was in victory, and and this match with Angle is a prime example of that. I mean, this one was just a tremendous, awesome, like, I agree with Mike, it's it's top 10 for sure. It's right up there with Michaels and Jericho as far as tremendous matches. But yeah, I mean, get into Undertaker because the the 
the mediocre aspect of the streak is over. Now we're getting into the really great aspects of the streak and what takes a streak from just like a, a novelty act to legendary status begins here at 21. So before we get to that, we're going to get into that. I, I just have to say this real quick to corroborate everything that you guys just said and what I believe as well. Bobby Heenan. Bobby the Brain Heenan. And everybody on this podcast, when you hear that name, y'all already know what it is. I don't even have to get into an explanation. He said, out of his own mouth, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21 was the greatest match he ever saw. So if that's not praise, I don't... Yeah, if that doesn't tell you how great this match was, I don't know what will. Are we sure that he was facing the right way on the camel when he was watching this match, though? Because he's been known to ride in backwards. I'm just saying, I think he'd appreciate the response I just gave. I, hey, I man, Everybody who's ever listened was, to me knows how much I love Bobby Heenan. At least he didn't say it was Akibono versus Big Show. Well, so, no, you, you know, know what? You know what happens hey, when you go to a tasting? Match. You know when you, you, know what, <laughs> you go to like a tasting of wine or sodas or whatever, you get a mixed a, a blind taste test challenge, and they, they so have nice. a... You have a cracker in between. Like, can you tell the difference yeah, between Coke and... It's a blind taste yeah. test between Coke and Pepsi, okay. right? And then they, you rinse your palate with a cracker in between, a, you know, a saltine or whatever. That's Aki Bono versus Big Show. Because after Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle, there's no way in hell the championship matches stand a chance at the end of the night without Big Show yeah. getting his ass beat. Okay, that's cool. But real quick, so going back <laughs> to Undertaker... And, and and Randy Orton. Note to self. I want Mike to get on this out the, Oh, that's then, cool. Okay, cool. So <laughs> I, I want Mike to get on this soapbox, and then I want Dave to to, it's to not back really clean a soap up on box. this. Certainly, like I'm not, I like I'm an Orton guy, but I'm, he's not one of my top guys. You know what I'm saying? But I think just for storyline, well, just just, just real quick, brother. And I, I apologize. I don't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to throw this out there, man. I absolutely love this match because I love the story that they tell with this match because he was the up-and-coming heir apparent and he was young, brash, and cocky. And ultimately, he had Taker beat in this match, but he was young, arrogant, and cocky, and his hubris got the best of him. And I think it's a great story to tell. Now, Mike, I'm going to mute my mic. I, I have nothing to say. You think. took every single word out of my mouth. PC, take it away. The host, the host with the most over there, is a little too too good for his own good. I, you know, I, it's funny because you, if you go back and watch the Broken Skull sessions right now, Randy Orton's on it, and he talks about how Undertaker put him over in a television match, and they had to edit out half the match because he gave him so much at the time when he was coming up. So it, it's no no. I don't know. You guys have a problem with it because you don't want the streak to continue. I think the streak was great. I appreciate what it was, but that that's just where I'm at. I have no problem with the streak continuing. And and this this is the match or the first in a series of matches. Like I just said, this is when the streak goes from, oh, that's kind of cool, it's a novelty, to this is really something to watch because Randy Orton was the first guy who came in after, what, three years in a row of just like, who the fuck are these guys in the ring with Undertaker? And, th and then you get Randy Orton who... Was a legit, and the streak was a thing by now. It wasn't what it would come in, you know, turn into. But it was noticed. People knew what his record was. Randy was the first guy who really came in, and you're like, "Hey, this guy really has a shot at beating Taker. He's taking out all these legends in emphatic 
fashion. I, I, I think that's where the what made it great. Like, I'm not mad that Randy lost. I'd have understood if Randy won. You know what I mean? It's one of those kind of things. And you, this streak has to go on because it, it, it gave Undertaker a, a career after this. But this right. was the beginning, like Dave said, they said, yo, this guy can actually beat him. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, because how he was getting pushed. I mean, he's out of evolution. Everything's there. Like you said, he's doing it. If you remember this, these, these, a lot of these were just him and Flair. There was no Triple H helping him in this matter. There was, you know, it was just him, you know, really with, with Taker by himself. And I just, I just loved it. This, this, this match, this WrestleMania edge, you know, beating, like you said, them and the money in the bank. And, and that's not being talked about. Like this WrestleMania let you know. Okay, you can forget about the guys of yesterday. To me, this is where they were separating from the pack. They had bought everything out almost at this point. It was nothing else that could stop them. Yeah, I would say Randy's performance in this match really created the concept of the streak being a sub-main event in WrestleMania because he pushed Taker, and you got to the point like, oh, shit, he might actually end this streak. And, and from here, the streak becomes, yeah, I mean, you've got the main event. You've got the title matches. The streak was the title in and of itself. There was no belt involved. It was much bigger than any belt that they were going to put on the line. And, and Randy's performance here really helped to put that in motion. But yeah, I, I don't. I think you got to talk about the very first Money in the Bank ladder match, Chris Jericho's concept, and this first Money in the Bank ladder match was probably one of the best. But it, it's and it's another one like I know Tunney's talked about it. I know DPP's talked about it, where you took. A match concept and then now subsequently you've wrapped an entire pay-per-view around that match concept and diluted it you watered down what was otherwise a fantastic idea by well hell let's just make a whole pay-per-view dedicated to this match that achieved legendary status at this event and i mean this is this is one of my favorite money in the bank ladder matches i know this match has been talked about top 10 wrestlemania matches of all time as well I believe it just because of the innovation of the concept and, like you said, Dave, what it ultimately led to. And it's 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 actually kind of funny to me that this is a Chris Jericho concept and he never won one. That's hilarious. That's like, hey, I got an idea how we can reward reward everybody in the recording industry. Mm-hmm. Let's call it a Grammy. And then you never get one. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, hey, I does anybody, does anybody remember that it's an actual black leather briefcase that's held above the ring it's not yeah, it's not yeah, what you and, get and, nowadays it's not not today no, no. Had, but it still had that it had the wrestlemania 21 symbol on it and just said money in the bank <laughs> and the funny thing about this mania is that we've talked about money in the bank we've talked about sean mike and kurt we talked about the two mania main event title matches the opener on this show was eddie guerrero versus Rey mysterio and the older I get, the more I appreciate that match. But that's probably because Eddie's in my top five. But that's how stacked this card was. We didn't even bring that shit up. And this was the opener. You go back to the Money in the Bank thing. You talk about people, you know, stealing the show before the the the, the, the show that everybody was waiting for started. Shelton Benjamin is the originator of putting on a freaking show and Money in the Bank and Royal Rumble and the things he does in these first two Money in the Bank ladder matches is unbelievable. That guy was so phenomenal. I mean, when he runs up the ladder that's poised into another stood-up ladder and gives the clothesline off the top to Jericho, I believe it was, that's that's one of the biggest spots in WrestleMania history. So, round the horn right quick. Big Show versus Akibono. Work or shoot? Ten stars. 
But but was it a work or was it a shoot? Who cares? I do. That's why I asked the question. God damn it! I'll go work. I'll say it's a work. I'm gonna say shoot. Anybody else want to chime in? I'm gonna say oh, shoot. I I think it was a shoot. I think it was real. Yeah. Bono on Big Show. I think that was real. I think they really yeah. tried to, you know, he just. I do think that was real. It is. Wasn't as real as Butterbee knocking out Bart Gunn. I'll tell you that. Oh hell no! Nothing <laughs> was that real. Shit, I don't know if shit is that real. <laughs> That's pretty as real as it gets. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on Twenty One before we move on to the next? Anybody? Uh, you know, we're about to talk more John Cena, but I, you know, I I agree with Mike that the crowd was red hot for Cena. This match was, in my opinion, this was a little disappointing. This match because it's just like okay. It, it didn't have the impact that I was looking for in this match. That's about to change. But other than that, I mean, I thought Batista's match with Triple H probably doesn't get enough love because of some of the other stuff going on in the card. But but that was a really pretty good, I mean, one of Batista's better performances. And like you guys said, the storyline leading into it with the thumbs down and yeah. all that shit was, uh, was awesome. I think the decision easier made with the opponent as opposed to going with John Cena or Batista. Do you have Batista and Triple H main event, or do you have John Cena and JBL? As much as Vince appreciates JBL, I think the main event was given to the man with the better opponent. Uh, fair enough. Mike, go ahead and wrap us up, man, if you don't mind, before we get into 22. No, you go back, like you say, it's the culmination of where they're going and where the company is going. And at that point... You have, to me, the, the big dog, like you said, the next night on Raw, they have a draft. And he comes over, and if you don't see how crazy um, that crowd was when Cena gets drafted, I mean, it was just it was just ridiculous. And just, uh, you can't get more to me at that time than Cena. Cena was that guy that, like you said, they strapped the rocket to. And I think he hit, people didn't like him, but and that was another thing about it. If you didn't like him, hey, and at that point, I don't think it was a lot of Cena haters just yet as it becomes later on, you know what I mean, down the line. But at, at this point, at, at 21, you couldn't hate the guy, I don't think. So just leading into that, like I said, just the card itself, I think it was in Hollywood, the promos for it. You know, you had the Austin, them had the, the the Gladiator entrance and how they did the the taxi drivers. They all were trying to do it with the Batista and them. I, I thought it was a great overall show. It's why it's the granddaddy of any pay-per-view. It's the reason why in, a, in, in the end of a pandemic, not fully out of it, I'm thinking about risking my life to go down here to go watch this thing for two nights because it's the granddaddy of them all. It's also the reason that PC Tunney has that Travis Bickle, you talking to me haircut popping off right now. So I, I feel everything you just said right there about that. <laughs> but leading into WrestleMania 22, Cena is, is firmly cemented as the man at this point. Gentlemen, when I think about WrestleMania 22, the one thing that stands out in my mind more than anything is Mick Foley. God bless Mick Foley going through that flaming table versus Edge. Like this Mellon Farmer went out of his way to not only try to create Randy Orton, but here in Ed with Edge trying to submit him as a top guy. And I know he had a title run, you know, leading up to this particular mania, but this match, this was Foley's WrestleMania moment. And it was holy shit, right? Yeah, that's um, 
<laughs> that's one of those moments that uh, you get your holy shit moment, and, and I mean, geez. And Ed, you know, God bless Edge for taking that power bomb into the thumbtacks as well. That was uh, not fun to take, but yeah, the spot through the flaming table is is the one that really gets remembered. Um, my biggest memories of this are, you know, Michael's beating McMahon's ass. That was a lot of fun. But I call WrestleMania 22 and 23, honestly, guys, I call these the baptism of John Cena. That's what I call WrestleMania 22 and 23. Because he gets baptized with fire two years in a row. And we could talk about that more. But the matches with Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels in consecutive years, you know, Undertaker does it later on to a much broader extent. But, I mean, we can get into the whole Cena thing, why I think that these were the two most important matches of Cena's career coming up back-to-back so, back years. So you say baptism, Dave. This isn't the one of the manias that he comes out with the, the Baptist choir, is it? No. I didn't mean that kind of baptism. <laughs> I, I, I had to get I had to try to get a little joke in there. Cena right? has, Cena's, in that, Cena's in that top five intros in WrestleMania histories, by the way. Just saying. This is the one where he shows up in the car, right? or is that next year? No, that's, no, that's the one that was in, that was in that's, Detroit. That's, yeah, that's in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Was this no? This wasn't Fam U. What was his entrance this year? Does anybody remember? Is this where this shit, the gangster thing in Chicago, where CM Punk yes. was? This yes. was yes. yes, yes. And they shot up the car and all of that yeah, on yeah. the Dillinger. It's pretty hokey. It was pretty hokey actually. Uh, the better entrance is this is where Triple H comes up underneath the stage and is sitting on the mm-hmm. throne. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's a better entrance. I mean you see the these guys come out with in these. WrestleMania history. It also starts three consecutive WrestleManias that end in a in a tap out. Touche. Why didn't you throw me that for Platts back? Look at the nose. Look at you with the notes. Uh, I just I see. I've been watching today. Cheater! <laughs> 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 I'm fresh, Cheater baby. Play. I'm fresh. But no, that 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 Edge McFoley match to me, that hardcore match, that match to me sticks out of this WrestleMania to me more than any of them. And it was that it was the fact that to me, Edge went there. You know what I mean? Like it, it, he he had this persona of being this badass that he was doing all these things. Remember that time he's walking around with the bats at this point? Him and Lita, you know, they're just all over the place, just really beating people's ass. And then Mick Foley comes back and he's like, "Oh, you want this is how you are now? Let's see how tough you really are." And they really go at it. If anybody can take an ass whooping, no one can better than Mick Foley. I mean, 19 chair shots. Just never forget that. Rock, handcuff, behind his back. That's just the worst thing I've ever seen in wrestling. Oh, God, I think that was worse than him getting thrown off the top of the cage was him getting hit in the head 19 times with a chair while he was handcuffed. Go I, ahead, PC. I asked Chris the other day, what because that wasn't WrestleMania, I said, what was that match? And he told me because I was just, oh, yeah, that was horrible. I was wondering, why are you doing this? Um, yeah. Bro, Rumble. <laughs> to, to bring it back to this one, though, I think you talk about guys solidifying themselves, Edge, yes, and Cena, tapping out Hunter, right? But you plant the seeds in that match of people not wanting Cena to win. There are plenty of people in that crowd cheering for Triple H in that match. And that that's oh, kind of what yeah. I was alluding to last year, man. So leading up into this match, this is when Edge cashed in his money in the bank, and he knew that he was only going to be a transitional champion. I believe he held the title for about two weeks. But the thing is, in those two weeks before the Royal Rumble, when Cena got the the, uh, belt back, ratings actually spiked 
And it's funny because I've heard Edge talk about this. He was thinking, okay, well, perhaps they look at the the ratings and they keep the belt on me at least until Mania because I'm drawing right now. Obviously, that wasn't. They had a plan. They executed it. But I, I just thought that was an interesting tidbit going into this particular era. This is why I call this the baptism of John Cena because of what Tony says that. Cena was firmly implanted with the whole five moves of doom stick. Had it. That had applied to him by now. You're going into Chicago, which is one of your most hardcore of hardcore markets. They had no tolerance for John Cena. Tony says there are more than a few people cheering for Hunter. I say the majority of the crowd was cheering for Triple H in this match. And John Cena had to, he had to step up in this match. He's in there with one of the best of all time who was rapidly on his way to becoming one of the best of all time during this match. And Cena had to prove not only that he could overcome a hostile crowd and overcome a vastly... And there are moments in this match where Hunter just looks at John and he's just like, really? This is all you got? This is the best that you can give me? This kind of shit? And for Cena to overcome that and show that there was more to him than just those five moves of doom. They, he was more of a dynamic wrestler. Not a whole lot but some, and then to get a tap-out win, a statement tap-out win over a guy like Triple H, you factor in all that stuff, take that in, and this is when John Cena goes from, I, I really think he started, you know, the whole big match John thing that JBL calls him, but he started to develop that legend where he now is 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 rapidly rising in stature to the point where we're at now, where you consider him on Mount Rushmore. You consider him somewhere like Hogan, Austin, Rock, Savage, Undertaker. You say John Cena in the same breath. It's it's matches like the one he had with Hunter here where he was way in over his head from a technical standpoint, but he's got that X factor that you see in this match that carries him through and wins over a lot of people. One over Mike, one over a lot of people with the performance that he puts in here. Um, so that's why I think this is the first part of two parts of the baptism of John Cena where he elevates to an entirely different echelon of performer. So, so Mike, we do have to bring up what Tunney said, though. This was in the midst of the, quote-unquote, Triple H reign of terror. I mean, he had the weird beard going on. Mm -hmm. He took the sledgehammer to his best friend, in quotation marks, and mentor Ric Flair. Like, he's just, like, super evil on the J.R. Ewing side of the game. And I, hey, I think I'm updating myself That's the greatest there. bourbon. That's some yeah. good bourbon. Get <laughs> you a bottle of that J.R. Hewitt bourbon, baby. I might have to check that out. But during this main event at WrestleMania, Triple H at his most evil, even with his evil beard, smarky crowd. Yes, Chicago, smarky crowd. But they firmly, like PC talk, alluded to, they are firmly in Triple H's quarter at this particular point in time. It was, as Dave said, the beginning of when they start when they love you and then hate you is when you know you've gotten over and we witnessed that firsthand with a lot of great superstars triple h is one of them to be you know to be in there um the greatest heel and greatest face of all time and hulk hogan you know what i mean did that he couldn't bend those things if he wasn't so loved he couldn't have been so hated for what he did and cena never did anything that actually make you hate him other than the company wanted him to be the guy and fans just couldn't understand that or want to accept that. And at this point, especially going against Triple H, who is, to me, top of all times. 
um, for the title. And everybody knows they, they think Triple H always has the shovel or he has the end because he's married to Stephanie. And I always say to that note, please, you still got to be able to do, do your job. Whether you're giving my daughter the pipe or not, if you can't do your job, I can't have you in position. So he does his job very well. Um, but just in, in this match and overall in the crowd, again, it's one of the things when wrestling at this point did start to turn where the fans became more vocal than they ever became before, at this, I believe, at this WrestleMania. And, and Tony, I hate that narrative that Mike brought up. Because I, I agree with what he's saying. Because everybody says that, oh, Triple H is just in the position he's in because he was piping the boss's daughter. Yo, at this particular point in time, that's a very dangerous career move because there's no other place for you to go. WCW, gone. ECW, gone. And if that doesn't work out, what else are you going to do? You're going to be at Kenny's shoes or you're going to be the, the manager of Audi or something like that because that, that could have went very badly. And, I mean, we know that Triple H is, is very intelligent and I don't think he was going to let that go badly. And, you know, for all we know, they actually fell in love and they love each other. But I, I, I resent that remark that he only got to where he was because he was, you know, with the boss's daughter because I can see a scenario where that could have went all the way left. I... I, w- I want to address the, the Triple H's place in, in professional wrestling history where people may bring up the things that you say and, and caveats for his success, but mm-hmm. as much as everyone will say he's overrated, he's fucking underrated. Take away his injury <laughs> times, he's the most consistent yeah. performer throughout a long stretch of period of time that there has ever been. I mean... That's my opinion on him. It's a guy that can talk. It's a guy that can get you involved in a storyline. It's a guy that can bring other people in and be together. It's a guy that can go off the main event card and and be something that bolsters the card in the middle of it, like he did with DX, the second run. I, I just think Triple H, and it's the reason that... Here, here everybody, here here's the real deal. He's going to be running the WWE in total very, very soon is you know when vince is not medically able to do it anymore and i hope vince is able to do it for as long as he wants to do it right but nobody lives forever and if that doesn't tell you how smart this man's wrestling brain is you you need to go back and 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 listen to some of his old interviews and 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 learn about how he grew up and how this all means everything to him he partied with the best of the best of the partiers and didn't party come on I'll, I'll see what Tony's saying. I'll, I'll even raise it a little bit. He really is a cerebral assassin. And all you got to do is look at, Dang, NXT, yeah. look at NXT, what he's done with NXT, which shows you all you need to know about his mind for the business. He didn't get that by osmosis, by sticking his dick in Stephanie. That's not how he got that <laughs> intelligence level. So, you know, he did do that, though. I mean, I was thinking of that. I went, at least like I, three I, times. I get some of that? Yeah. Tag me in. <laughs> Look, yeah. okay. You even talked her into getting bigger boobs. That's true. She's but I think, you know, when you look at the relationship between him and Stephanie, and did he benefit from that by being around Vince for all those years? Absolutely. From learning from, even if all of us think Vince is out of touch with things now, which, you know, I don't agree with that completely, but he's still learning from the master at the right hand of the master for all those years. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not just that. I mean, you look at all of his in-ring performances, the wars that he's fought, the promos that he's done, the way he has just been... You, know, you talked about Goldberg being that square peg in, in that round hole. 
Triple H just is the hole. <laughs> you know, it just whatever you want to, whatever peg you want to do, he will modify to make it fit. And I don't know if you can really say that about any other performer in the history of WWE. So I agree with Tony and Mike. Underrated, probably. No one I talks mean, you, about him on their Mount Rushmore, and they should. Yeah, yeah, because you, you can't. Yeah, because you can't negate his glow up. Number one, he learned at the feet of some of the best minds in the history of the business. You know, between Sean Mike, Sean Waltman, Razor Ramon, Diesel, guys that you know, whatever you might say about them and their proclivities and their demons and whatnot, they all are very sharp guys. And he sat at their feet. And I, I even hear some of the wrestlers, you know downing him because of that because when he first broke in he was carrying their bags and I'm sure they were doing whatever they were doing and he was probably the driver because he wasn't doing those things but he soaked up a lot of game from them and I mean the glow up is tremendous and I don't see how you could hate on Triple H especially seeing how it ended with him and NXT and what he's trying to do with NXT he's trying to kind of reset it or put the genie back in the bottle or the toothpaste back in the tube I don't know how I don't know how successful he's going to be about that, but yeah, you can't hate on the man at all whatsoever. And he just so happened to fall in love with the boss's daughter, which, you know, there's worse people to fall in love with. I mean, she ain't hard on the eyes, you know, I'm just saying. A I'm billion not saying dollar that. princess. Yeah, like, Jeff, not to love? like Jeff Goldblum yeah. says, love happens. I mean, life happens. Love happens. Love happens wow. too, right, Tony? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, we're waiting response. One more thing, though, we got to touch on WrestleMania 22. This was the rise of Ray Ray, i.e., Ray Mysterio. He wins the World Heavyweight title at this after winning the Royal Rumble, after coming in at, I believe it was number three or two, triple threat between Kurt Angle and Randy Orton. Match was good. It got cut. They thought they were going to have a little more time. I think it got cut by about 10 or 12 minutes, whatever, whatever. But Ray wins it. A lot of people think that the build to this was distasteful, especially considering this was on the heels of Eddie Guerrero's transition and some of the things that Randy Orton was scripted to say. Some people think it's distasteful. I say it's just professional wrestling. Dave, what say you? Uh, you know, wasn't this right after... This was right after Eddie had passed away, right? Yeah. 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 I mean... I thought it told a great story. I mean, I mean, Ray winning this match. Yeah, you're right. It, it had to be cut. I mean, you're talking about a match like this. It's under 10 minutes. That's way too short for a match like this. They try I give them credit. They tried to put in everything they could as they could get in there in those 10 minutes. But I, I always, I mean, whatever you want to say about it, I thought it told a good story. Ray prevailing, becoming the champion didn't Vicky Vicky came in the ring or so, if I remember correctly at the top of the um, ramp at the end you yeah, get Chavo and right. Vicky greeting Ray I mean what other story do you want to tell I mean Ray honoring his you know oh, his best friend one of his best friend his yeah. best friend I, I mean so you could you could read in all you want about what they should have done what they shouldn't have done could they have gotten more heat on Randy should they have gotten more heat on this person or that person in the end they told the story that they wanted to tell which was as soon as Eddie died, Ray was, you know, you got to figure Ray was the favorite to win the Rumble. Ray's going to win the championship here. Uh, so I, I never had a problem with it. I, I thought it was one of those, you know, we've talked about moments and heartwarming moments and Savage and Liz and and, and Eddie and, and Benoit, you know, at 20. And then you've got this moment with uh, Ray honoring his best friend in a very touching way. And, and so what if the title reign didn't really 
light the world on fire. It doesn't matter. WrestleMania is mostly about the moments. Shit that comes afterwards, largely irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. So speaking of moments and heat, I don't think anybody has made more moments or drawn more heat than our former president, Donald J. Trump, which leads us into WrestleMania 23 and the Battle of the Billionaires. Now, say what you want about him, and I'm sure we will, but on paper, this particular WrestleMania that was built around this match, the Battle of the Billionaires, meaning that either Donald or Vince was going to get their head shaved, Rock and Cena, they grossed the most, they made the most money at a mania, but this particular WrestleMania drew the most buys on pay-per-view at the time, which is at 1.1 million. So say what you want, but the Mellon Farmer is box office, and this <laughs> WrestleMania kind of adheres to that, does it not? I know. Oh, Go absolutely. ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's hard. You talk about putting the genie back in the bottle. It's hard to go back and look at this match and not realize, wow, we just had this guy as a president for four years, whether you love the guy or hate him. And, you know, there's millions of reasons for either one, <laughs> literally. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you think about it, all the president's a Hall of Famer, a lot of it based on the uh, this match. And and then the guy who was responsible for Vince getting his head shaved is now the WWE champion. So funny how things come full circle but you could see the allure of this kind of a match and why it would appeal to so many people and and this is like the you get two years in a row of these kind of novelty specialty quasi gimmick matches but yeah i mean what, what can what can you really say about this <laughs> donald trump versus vince you know with them having their proxy stone cold the uh, referee getting involved in the match as much as anybody does really but uh it it was a it was a cool match i mean a cool better moment just Vince getting his head shaved. I mean, that's that's one that'll stick with you forever, I think. So, so Mike, uh, Trump's punches were trash, which leads me to believe he's never been in an actual fight before. I think we can agree with that. The Stone Cold Stunner at the end, that was kind of cathartic. And this is the, <laughs> the, the best thing to this whole shit show that this match was. Because I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, a, it's, it's sports entertainment. At its Facts. finest and at its Facts. worst, but it, like it was watching a train wreck, right, Chris? Yo, the barber chair, the barber chair gets its own entrance and theme music. As soon as I saw that, oh yeah, strap me in. I'm here for everything <laughs> that's about to happen right now. <laughs> the only thing they missed was Brutus Beefcake should have done the the train. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Vince didn't want to pay that little extra money. He already paid enough for to get his best friend over there, um, which in turn gets him into the White House. And just it, it talks about his popularity, like you said, of this guy's uh, credibility. He was all on Sex in the City at that time and, and, and beforehand. So Donald Trump's been around for a while in the, in the news. But overall, just this, this WrestleMania? Eh. Really? Because yeah. I think this this is one of the more underrated ones, seriously. Yeah. Cena and Michaels, that's about it for me in this match, in this, in this WrestleMania. And Undertaker and Batista was pretty damn good. Other than those two matches, I could have dealt without this entire pay per view. I like the Money in the Bank match too. It was, I mean, Mr. Kennedy. <laughs> you can't go wrong with those. So I, I, I yeah. just have, you know, that kind forgotten, of forgotten, forgotten memory of Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? Yes. Until I looked at this, I said, "Damn, I forgot he won that." That might nothing with it, right? Nothing. So I don't no, want to bring back up Kennedy, but go, go ahead, Sonny. No thoughts on Kane and the Great Khali guys. 
<laughs> it was the best match they pops they possibly could have had between the two of them. I, I will say that they both worked hard, and Did that's what they got. I mean, what? neither of them are a giant Gonzalez, so what can you do? Right. I mean, Benoit right. versus MVP was a better match than than I remembered watching it back. But yeah, I mean, the two big matches are Undertaker Batista, which was a hell of a fight, and uh, and Cena so and were. Mike. So MVP and Benoit, I thought that was a damn good wrestling match. And that's what really turned me on MVP because I like the gimmick. And I think that they kind of, I think the WWE kind of missed the boat on the gimmick when he first came in there. The prima donna athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that, that had did. some leg. They, and he they could talk. I thought yeah. when it first came in there, I thought they were going to go with Malik Eldebarge right in that one if you're a fan of the game. Yes. I, I thought yeah. that's what they were going to go with, like you said, that prima donna athlete who's now rich kind of thing, kind of like, you know, my gimmick, the million dollar thug, Mike Knox, you know what I'm saying? It's just that guy coming in, being a certain kind of way. That, that was my gimmick. My, 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 my radio name came from me being a wrestling fan. <laughs> but when he first came in, I wasn't impressed with his in-ring ability. But when I saw this match, that's when I saw, oh, this smell of farmer can go. And I was all in after that, and obviously it didn't work out the way that me or MVP thought it would work out per one, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Undertaker Marcus Corvant. I'm sorry, I just want to say Marcus Corvant was in this WrestleMania, and that guy that's I thought enough. was going to be there. That's the guy I thought was going to lead them into another another part for wrestling. I, I was disappointed in that one. Yeah, that's another guy. But this Batista and Undertaker... There was a... This was probably the first time, maybe you guys would argue Orton... But th- I feel like this was really the first time that the streak was ever in some real peril. Because at this particular point in time, Undertaker had already, already kind of transitioned into being a part-timer. So, and Batista was one of the, what, he was like 1A to Cena's 1. So there was legitimate intrigue going into this match because they're saying, well, are they going to put the title on Undertaker considering that he's a part-timer at this point in time? And I thought they told a great story in that match. I thought it was a damn good match. And go ahead, Dave. No, I was I was gonna see if Tony wanted to chime in there, but I mean it's it's I agree with you. I still think Orton was the first legit threat to Taker's streak, but this was maybe a more serious threat to Taker's streak than Orton was because Batista was bigger, stronger, faster, badder, and 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 you know when you watch this match going back and leading and looking at the lead in, yeah, Taker was transitioning away from being a full timer. And you just thought, man, I don't know how he's going to beat a guy like Bautista, who is the animal for a reason. He's in mm-hmm. his prime for a reason, and he was just as badass as he could be. And so I agree with you that this this was maybe not the first legit threat, but the biggest threat so far to Undertaker's streak by far. And that Shawn Mike and Cena match, that's in my top ten WrestleMania all time. I, I don't even mm-hmm. think it's debatable. A lot of people like their match that they had a couple of weeks later when they went an hour broad well not Broadway because Sean won but an hour on Raw a couple of weeks after that but I enjoyed this match I, and going back it just solidified my love for this match. Baptism part two. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. I mean, you know, pontificate on it because it, it's I, I two mean, years in a row. He he taps right. out Hunter. He taps out Sean. He basically same, they said, hey, move. hey, John, DX, take him out. Well, and you look at what Undertaker does between 20, you know, with a 25-26 with Sean, 27-28 with Hunter. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing, although Undertaker didn't need to be solidified because he was already there. But with Cena, I just felt like 
And you got to remember, these two guys were tag team champions going into this match. So that was a unique aspect of things. And then you get this match where it's almost like, hey, you know, Hunter's one thing. But Sean's like, I'm better than him. I mean, you would see that kind of narrative come up later on many years later. But Sean presented a whole different challenge for for John because technically speaking, Sean's a better wrestler than Hunter and, and presented a different challenge, different variety, different moves, different things he could do. And I thought, you know, Sean really brought the fight to John Cena in a way that Hunter did and didn't at the same time. It was it was a very different kind of match. But yeah, John Cena, again, proves just how great he was and what he could overcome and how he could over- supplant somebody like looked upon like Shawn Michaels. And again, I mean, this is what by this point, Shawn is at the point where, it, you know, even if he loses, if he if you beat him and he turns in this WrestleMania worthy performance, you're automatically elevated to a new status. And you saw that here. Am I the only one that heard the rumor that Sean was not thrilled with Cena when he came back through the curtain about some of the things in the match and they had it out right away? Has anybody else heard that? I haven't heard that one. Elaborate, please. I, yeah. that, no, that's what I heard. Oh, oh that's, that's it. That's, that's, that's all you got. That's all okay, I got. Cool. Elaborate it. Leave yeah. us dangling, man. Leave us dangling. Well, there, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. That's what I heard. So one thing that I have heard, and you know, I'm kind of stepping on plats facts here, but initially <laughs> this was supposed to be the rematch from 22 between Triple H and John Cena, and uh, obviously Triple H he tore his quad. Mm-hmm. The, the second time that he tore his quad, so he was out. Initially they were discussing Sean versus Booker T for this particular WrestleMania, but obviously they elevated him into the main event, and I think it worked out best for all parties involved, except for probably Booker T and Triple H, because Booker T, I think he ate worms from the Boogeyman, and his woman had to eat worms from the Boogeyman, and Triple H didn't even get a WrestleMania paycheck this year. So Charmel was great, great before for the, the match. Charmel was great before the match. Why are you right. making me do this? I'm scared. I don't want to go out there. <laughs> it was excellent. Yeah, Booker T never really did get his WrestleMania moment. It it sucks, but whatever. Moving on. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this Mania a lot more than obviously everybody else here did. I, I thought it was great. And yeah. Now cool. the next one's great. Well, let's get to it. WrestleMania 24. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's get to it. Money May versus Big Show. <laughs> no, I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying. It was raining money. What else you need to know? The fam you bet was there for John Cena's entrance. Ric Flair's final match against Shawn Michaels, that entrance. Like, this this, this, this is, to me, again, one of the biggest WrestleManias of all time is this WrestleMania. Without a doubt. Phenomenal. I got the story if you guys want to go backwards. <laughs> there we go. Well done. After the match had concluded, there was a spot where HBK abruptly walked away from a Cena handshake attempt, which was not scripted as they were supposed to shake hands. Michaels was red hot at Cena for not selling the leg that he spent a few minutes on the match working on. So I don't know. There you go. So Picasso getting mad because you didn't mix the paint well enough. That's what it sounds like to me. Listen, if you're going to paint a Jackson Pollock, make sure you got a lot of drip. Well, that's not hard to paint a Jackson Pollock and have a lot of drip. I'm. That's all I'm going to say on that. That's that on that. Moving back to WrestleMania 24, 
the interesting thing to this many is for me, fellas, was that it answered the question to me, what happens if you have an outside mania and there's adverse weather? Well, they just gonna put a tarp over the ring. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, asked and answered. This Good. is um the other thing about this, this begins the current streak of no more WrestleManias in arenas anymore, small venues. They're all stadiums from here on out, right? 24, 25, 26. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, they've all been at football stadiums, big, big arenas. The, 23 was the last one, the one in Detroit. Was that was that? Well, a, no, that, that was still, but that was for the stadium. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Yeah, so field, 20, so. The 22 was, where was 22? Chicago. Chicago All-State Arena. So, all, yeah. yeah, so that was the last, that's the last one. one. Yeah, that's the last one. So now we're at this point. No, because wasn't 27 inside of the Atlanta the Stadium? Dome. The Georgia, the Georgia Dome. Dome? Okay. So we had okay. So we had inside ones, but they were inside domed. Right. No, I just thought it yeah. was like no, no, you're where, 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 where the Falcons, where the Hawks play. I mean, so then I forget where the Falcons play is different. So yeah, still, it's still a football stadium, nevertheless. Yeah. But you know, with this other, you know, um, Umaga. And Batista, I thought, was a great one for at this WrestleMania as well. And the birth of the coming out party, rather, for one CM Punk. This is where he really made his 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 mark and coming out. Um that that that's this money in the bank match to me was was just phenomenal against Sheldon Benjamin being Sheldon Benjamin doing what the things that Sheldon Benjamin does, which was was phenomenal. Um and just against Michaels and, and Flair. I can't. I don't. That doesn't get talked enough, and it is that Orton finally seen a losing at a WrestleMania, and a triple threat match, and it was Randy Orton who beat him and Triple H. That Flair and Michaels match. I literally just watched that yesterday as we're recording, and you know I've seen it a few times, but I mean it's absolutely phenomenal, and all the emotion that goes into it, and just the psychology. It's it's like watching John Coltrane and Miles Davis perform together and, and just improvise and just just riff you know what I mean I, I felt like this where it was obviously Rick wasn't in his prime but psychology wise it, it was on there and, and every little thing they did just the subtlety and the nuances of a lot of the things that they did like for example when Sean hesitated when he had Rick dead to rights with the sweet chin music and he hesitated and Rick scooped his legs and put him into the figure four leg lock like it was just a master class on psychology that match was and it just sucks that that wasn't Rick's last match because I believe he ended up wrestling for another, what, yeah. three or four years after that? We went to TNA and... <laughs> did, and you know, him and did. Hogan had that weird gimmick out in Australia after yeah. that. Like, yeah, shit got weird for a little bit. But speak back on the money team, the TBE, the punch that he let happen when he knocked out the Big Show, or at that time, the Big Slow... I just thought like this, this, this WrestleMania. I'm sorry, seeing its entrance again. I want to go back to that fan you entrance. It's like da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, like this WrestleMania was big. Like you said, it was outside. It just looked amazing. The fireworks. You're probably getting fireworks outside the buildings and the stadiums. It was just, it was just big. It was just big. Taker, Taker, as a champion at WrestleMania, doesn't happen often. He's at WrestleMania as a champion and beats Edge in a, in a great, 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 great match. Uh, another one showing you Edge and what Edge can do and Taker still at his age and 
Gut Nowhere, he's old as hell now, but then he was old then and was still performing probably at his best. You're talking about Shawn Michaels having a better part of his second career? This is when Taker started having a better career Go around these times. Coming to only wrestle that one time a year at WrestleMania was his best match he's ever had. No, that's an interesting point, and he kind of talked about that a little bit in one of the uh, Broken Skull sessions that he did with Steve Austin. Because if you guys remember when he broke in the business, or at least when I remember him, when he was in WCW as me, Mark Gallus, he was super athletic. Like, this Malafarma was walking the ropes without having to hold on to somebody's arm, and he was working hard. But he talked about when he got that Undertaker gimmick, he talked about on Austin's podcast how he had to slow everything down and it wasn't about work rate it wasn't about the matches it was all about the gimmick and he had to slow everything that he did down in order to get that gimmick over but I feel like this particular block of Wrestlemania this is where we start to see the fruit of those loins now he's able to go out there and have those bangers that he probably wanted to have since the inception of the Undertaker gimmick but now he's able to have those now because he's got what 20 years or whatever it was worth of equity into that character so he can go out and get into the phase what three or four mm-hmm. of taker has he closed the wrestlemania before this no yeah yeah it was it. Yes, wrestlemania 13 oh okay well that yeah, it was count. it that doesn't count. but yeah, that's that easy to count. forget but this is the that's second forget. isn't it it's right? one of the most iconic images he ever had though but at the same time, this is the second WrestleMania in a row, so I forgot that. I apologize. And even as much as a softball guy as I am, I shouldn't forget about Sid. So whatever. But it's the second WrestleMania in a row where he comes in and wins the title. I mean, that's I mean that's setting him up for success here. Yeah, I mean, like in contrast to like the one with Batista, where you really thought, oh, Batista can take this guy. This could be the end of the streak. This one was kind of like, I don't remember how you guys felt about it, but I remember thinking to myself, like, I just, I don't see Edge winning this match. And and Edge's performance was really the, the high water mark of, I mean, other than I love you, I'm sorry, I love you. But Edge just coming as tantalizingly close as he did to putting the streak away in numerous places. And then, of course, Edge becomes like the first victim of uh, Hell's Gate at WrestleMania, so... Uh, you know that that part notwithstanding, but man, this is when. But yeah, I I, I guess the dogs they were fans of uh, the Edge and Undertaker match they as well. Had yeah. To say. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, going into this, did any of you guys know that this was going to be the main event that was going to headline it? No, I didn't. I, think I, so. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think so. But I mean, it lived with, up to really. the hype. I mean. Probably Flair and Michaels, you know. I think Flair and Michaels could have closed the show because of what that match was supposed to mean and the pageant which they put it on for. And then, honestly, for WrestleMania's past, the crowd would have shitted over it. But we've seen where maybe because Floyd was who he was. If Floyd was maybe loved by fans more, then yeah. they could have went last. But, unfortunately, he's yeah. never been liked. Like, you know, like, but I, Lawrence Taylor went last. And who the hell liked Lawrence fucking Taylor? I never did. Sorry, just saying. And that Practice. went on last. Well, crack dealers love Lawrence Taylor, but that's neither here nor there. And, but... <laughs> and, and, and Daryl Strawberry all had a close relationship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, it's funny, because going into that Floyd Big Show thing, Floyd was supposed to be the face initially, but he just plays the heel so well they had to, you know, flip sides. But I thought that match was well done, and it was sports entertainment at its finest. Love this WrestleMania. 
Love this WrestleMania. Yes, my MVP was in that Money in the Bank match too. Yeah, this Money in the Bank match was fierce. I'm gonna go watch this again tonight. <laughs> I'm gonna go watch this one again yeah, tonight. This, like this, this is match. the extension of CM Punk, right? So, and, and it's yeah. funny because this match almost ended the same way as the year before. You thought, oh, Kennedy's gonna pull it out again, and then Punk got the got the win. You get someone so th- new with a big high spot too. You get John Morrison doing a moonsault with a ladder off the yeah. post to the outside and he almost kills some people because that ladder opens up as he's going backwards so I gotta ask you guys though because you brought up Kennedy Dave because at this particular point in time and especially before this particular point in time I would have bet you dollars to donuts that Kennedy was on deck but why did it never happen he was he got the steroid suspension at the wrong time the same way that Dolph Ziggler got the concussion at the wrong time I mean shit happens man it's the same reason that other people have benefited at the same time in, in weird circumstances. The steroids and coming back and nobody wanting to work with them. Right. Well, and, was, I mean, I, I was I mean, going to... I can uh, speak a little bit from the locality kind of standpoint of being in the region where him and Phil came up together, kind of. And that's why you see them two work together a lot. But, I mean, yeah, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't necessarily a, oh, a locker room favorite, if you will. Yeah. So obviously the the Flair Michaels match. I mean everybody's talked about. It. I heard you guys talking about it earlier with the. I mean that's that's one of the all time great WrestleMania moments. Ric Flair's should have been Ric Flair's last stand. It wasn't. Did, what did you guys think of the uh, triple threat WWE Championship match? It never did anything for me. I, I just I thought, eh. It's I mean the only good thing is that Cena actually lost, so it showed right. that he could take he could yeah. take an L. Yeah. Um, in the way that it did with Orton punting Hunter in the head and stealing his pin. But I, I, thought, I always felt like this should have been better. There should have been more to it. These three guys could have done a better match. It was okay is the best thing I can say about it. But I don't know what you guys thought of it. No, I, I think Orton and Cena are dance partners. I think nobody danced better together than those two. Maybe throw an edge in there with Cena. Um, I've never liked the matches between Cena and Triple H. It's just something about the two of them, which I think I hate that they say Cena only has five moves because you talked about it when he's in those matches with Michaels and Angles and yeah, those guys make anybody look good, but they gotta have somebody that can also be athletic enough and intelligent in the spirit circle enough to know where their placements are and things like that. But it's something about these two guys who I'm a huge mark of, big fan of my entire their entire careers just didn't look good in the ring together. So, I, honestly, I'm with you. The match wasn't the greatest. The ending was dope to me, though, with the punt in the head and how he stole the victory. And, again, it showed that Cena... I remember, at this point, Cena's main evented three straight WrestleManias and won three straight WrestleMania World titles at each WrestleMania. So, what could have been main event again? It could have been this one. You know what I mean? But they pulled it back a little bit. Vince heard the fans cry a little bit. And this is what happened. I feel like the match was flat because the storyline going into it was flat. So remember, Cena's coming off that pectoral injury. Mm-hmm. He wasn't supposed to be back for a minute. And then he comes up and pops up in the Royal Rumble. And the crowd was hot for him. And then they, it kind of got convoluted from there. He wins the Rumble. He has the match versus Orton, I think, on the pay-per-view with the, the spot on the line. Or he, he cashed in his spot 
before Mania, and then Triple H gets thrown in there because of the Elimination Chamber, and then the story just got really convoluted, and I think that that led to the match being kind of flatter than it probably should have been going into it. But, I mean, also going into this Mania, the, the two selling points were Ric Flair's retirement match and Money Mayweather versus The Big Show, and I, I feel like we knew that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Where, where do you guys rank the whole... I'm sorry I love you as far as WrestleMania moments. It's got to be top five, right? As far as moments? Moments, not match. The match is yeah. fine. The match Moment, is fine. I, I think it's definitely top five. Like you said, that that's just, it's one of the things that's even in my little intro do I have for my show. I have that in there for a reason. And I just think that moment says a lot in wrestling where you got these two guys, arguably the most popular wrestler of all time. Some would say the, the, you know, the, that he's the greatest of all time in Ric Flair. Some will say Michaels, and, and so you have that whole dynamic. That dynamic is there's still two different generations of those guys in the ring and having that respect. And then there's something about wrestling fans that I truly do love, and it's moments like that you can see the heartfelt in that moment. It's definitely top five, and I think that's what, for me, makes this WrestleMania. It's not that we saw Flair in this match again or, you know, the thought of him having a match after this. It's him coming down he has a tear in his eye as he's coming out to the ring. Like, he really thought maybe at this point he had nothing else because the company was not going to let him wrestle anymore. You know what I mean? So I I, I love this mania. I do. I absolutely love this WrestleMania. Is it and, maybe and the Mike, best Mike, Is it maybe the best Mike. story they ever told? Because we talk about storylines and, and because the, the story Ric Flair had coming into it and the relationship between Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair and the relationship tangentially in history for 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 wrestling that they're the best two ever this is an this is this might be the best story ever told uh, over a period of what three four months i know dave i know what you're gonna say but i'm just saying <laughs> it's up there it's up there off of a shorter three or four month build yeah absolutely i still say mega powers is the greatest wrestlemania story of all time but on a shorter build up like you're saying Tony this is fantastic but um, I mean the whole old yeller are you kidding me I mean that was just brilliant shit that that Shawn Michaels old yeller I'm going to take you out of your misery but I but Mike said the word respect and, and, and that was such a big point of this match Shawn's respect for Flair and how he sold that and wove that into the story that they were telling I can't hit the super kick I love you too much I respect you too much and then eventually Shawn saying because I respect you and love you so much, I'm going to take you out. And that's just, you don't get stuff like that nowadays. And, and, and it was, yeah, it's, it's always been a top five moment for me. The match. Okay. Maybe not, but it's still a damn good match. Platt. Can I wrap up the topic of Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair with a soundbite? You sure can, man. And then after you do that, let's roll the commercial. And we'll come back with Platt's facts and wrap it up. I have to announce to you that I will never retire! Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right, folks, welcome back to part four of Mania Madness. PC Tony here. Just want to let Wait, you know. Wait, we're not going to talk about Kane winning in 11 seconds? Oh, sorry, Tony, go ahead. No, it's all good, man. Uh, check out Chair Shot Radio 
every single day, 8 a.m. Eastern, right there on the ChairShot Radio Network. You can also find it on thechairshot.com. Sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment. That's thechairshot.com. Dave, you brought up bandwagon nerds before. We, we definitely got to get Mr. Mike Knox over here on that program. Everything that is, you know, comic books, movies. We've just wrapped up the 90s project. Maybe we can get him involved in the 2000s project. Uh, yeah. It's just insanity over there, Mike. We, we need you in there. DC, Marvel, new I, releases, comic books, for everything. five years, I've been trying to get a job on ChairShot. I'm auditioning every time I text or tweet you, bro. I'm I'm embarrassed that we have not had Mike on the show. I mean, you know, every, all the other guests we've had, I mean, Mike looks like he's got Ray cash level nerdism to him. You know, I mean, I'm just Platt's a nerd too, but I got any, but I mean, Mike's got the justice league wallpaper. Platt, what do you got? I got peak walls. Kiss my ass, Dave. (laughs) I saw it. I am, yeah. I do have Sanford and Son on in the background. So, real quick, uh, again, Mike, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, we got to get you on Bandwagon Nerds. And, yeah, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you cheer shot family. But let's get to Platt's facts here. Uh, just a couple of odds and ends and a little tidbits and interesting nuggets that we picked up around these six manias. Uh, before we begin, I got to let you guys know that Platt's facts are brought to you by ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Make sure you go to the chair shot and pick up an official chair shot t-shirt. We've got something for everybody. We've got my personal favorite. Jesus did the job and his dad was the promoter. We got save tag team wrestling, hashtag journalism. We've still got a few shirts we- left from the defunct we didn't ship Platt them out. presidential can yeah can't those were There's supposed to ship last Platt. week those are supposed to get out of the warehouse last week i saw a bunch of kids in ethiopia wearing them i'm just saying man we still got a few left though they didn't ship them all we still got a few left and hell if joe biden keep thinking taking them rick flair bumps off planes man we might got a shot i'm not saying i'm just saying but all jokes aside, if you enjoy the content we provide day in and day out here at The Chair Shot, make sure we keep providing that content day in and day out at The Chair Shot. And the best way to make sure we keep providing that content day in and day out here at The Chair Shot is by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and pick up an official Chair Shot t-shirt. Please and thank you, thank you, and please, TheChairShot.com. Remember, we're not just a website, folks. We're a movement. Let's get to some plat facts. Shall we? We shall. First and foremost, this one, I got this shout out my beautiful queen, Amber, because she pointed this out to me. We were watching WrestleMania 19 together, the Rock versus Austin match. And on Austin's vest, he had the letters O-M-R on them. And she asked me, what does that mean? And I looked at her, I said, the fuck I'm supposed to know. But while researching my Platts facts for this particular episode, I come to find out that O-M-R stood for one more round which also insinuated and kind of gave away the ending that this was going to be Austin's last professional wrestling match so I just thought that was kind of interesting another interesting tidbit from Wrestlemania 19 the rapper Fabulous he was scheduled to have a rap battle at that particular show against John Cena However, it got canceled because Fab couldn't stay out of trouble. He kept getting arrested for gun charges and this and that, and eventually WWE decided it was a bad look, and they ixnayed the whole production. But I I thought that was interesting. Also at WrestleMania 19, did you guys know that it was the first WrestleMania in which 
the main event combatants both used their shoot real names, i.e. Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. I thought that was an interesting nugget. That is a good one. Yeah, right? Thank you, thank you. And uh, I, Mike kind of uh, stepped on it earlier, but I, I'm going to throw it out there. Do you guys know the the first WrestleMania combatant to ever win three consecutive world title matches at a WrestleMania? John Cena? Word life. This is basic thugonomics. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. So a couple of interesting what-ifs. WrestleMania 23, the Battle of the Billionaires. Initially, Hulk Hogan was going to be Donald Trump's proxy. And the original plan on the table was to have Hulk Hogan represent Donald Trump and Big Show to represent Mr. McMahon. However, Big Show was on sabbatical at this time, healing up from some injuries. So they also floated the great Khali's name out there as well. Ultimately, Vince and Hulk fell out over money, and they went where where they went, which I feel like that happens a lot between Vince and Hulk, like, you know, big brother, little brother, whatever, whatever. Another interesting tidbit. Go ahead. I I don't think that Vince and – I mean, at the time, I don't think Vince and Donald Trump needed that – needed Hogan, right? Did anybody else feel that way? Not at all. No, not at all. Oh, and, and didn't this happen like after Hulk and Vince had already had their street fight? So really, what what would the purpose have been? It it just overkill. Uh, let's just get these old guys beating the shit out of each other some more. Who cared so, at that point? So I, I feel I thought the last two were the most interesting. So going into WrestleMania 22, a couple of uh, possible Eddie Guerrero matches, and of course we know Eddie didn't see. 22 he met his untimely demise R.I.P. to one of the goats so there were a couple of plans on the table for Wrestlemania 22 and Eddie Guerrero now on the raw side of the game if you listen to Court Bauer who is the current owner and and lead owner of MLW and he was a WWE writer at the time and Bruce Pritchard has cooperated this as well on the raw side their plan for Wrestlemania 22 was to have Eddie Guerrero versus Shawn Michaels and they were going to talk about how their two careers paralleled and and kind of play up a lot of the similarities that both those wrestlers had and seeing as how both those guys were in my top five that would have been my wet dream however if you listen to Alex Greenfield who was the head writer of Smackdown at the time he says that the plan on the table on the Smackdown side of the game which is where Eddie Guerrero was at the time was to have him versus Undertaker and even so much so that they actually did a house show match in BFC, Buttfuck County somewhere, where nobody would really see it, to try to figure out how they could structure the match to where it made sense, This, you know, considering their height discrepancy. And apparently the match was Undertaker feigned an eye injury and Eddie just worked on the eye the whole time. But everybody says that the match was interesting, but I just thought that was interesting. So what say you guys, man? Would you have preferred to see Sean Mike and Eddie Guerrero or Taker at Eddie Guerrero at 22? I say BFC sounds like where I live, but anyway, I yield the floor to you guys. Anybody? Somebody? Ooh, All man. Right. I, I would have, I mean, Sean versus Eddie is, did they ever meet 
Did they ever face each other? I'm not even not sure. Not at all. That's oh, why dude, it would have been such a big fucking deal. Yeah, yeah. that would have been – that's the match I would have wanted to see. I mean, Taker's one thing, but Sean and Eddie would have – yeah, that would have been a hell of a fight. I mean, that that's that's one of those dream matches that you wish you could have gotten. You say, God damn, Vince, why didn't you get him in the ring before Eddie passed away? But I, I would I would go with that one, Chris, over the other option. Eddie would have had to been face. I don't think it really would have mattered, but I would have loved to see those two mix it up. But again, I'm biased, and that's kind of what I So last but certainly not least, another interesting what if is WrestleMania 24. The original plan on the table for Money Mayweather was to have Floyd Mayweather and Shane McMahon, who was his handler at the time, versus Oscar De La Hoya and Rey Mysterio. So you got to remember, around this time, Oscar and Floyd had just come off their super fight, and they did 2.4 million buys on pay-per-view, and WWE desperately wanted to top their 1.1 that they did with WrestleMania 23, and they thought they could do it with those two guys. However, Oscar was like, yeah, I'm good. Because Oscar's a bitch. He he does wear panties, so there's that. But, uh, yeah, so... yeah, so doesn't make him a bitch because he wears panties. It just makes him unique. He's a bitch because he's a bitch. I'm sorry, I just wanted to call him a bitch one more time. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Hey, man. Hey, ain't no no problem with that. As a matter of fact, since we get it out the way, fuck Dave Meltzer as well. So, real quick, MVPs, WrestleMania 19 through 24. I'm not sure why this poll didn't go up, but whatever. We're going to get to it. Obviously, John Cena, I would say Shawn Mike, Triple H, and Undertaker. They all have bangers around this particular point in time. So just real quick before we wrap up, let's go around the horn and say why it's Cena. Unless you all disagree. I I would say Cena. I think you leave Angle and Edge Edge out of that. uh, But for me, I, I would say Triple H is probably the MVP of these WrestleManias. See, I would say Shawn Michaels. I'll give I give it to Shawn. Shawn. I would say Shawn Michaels as well. See, I would have said Shawn, but again, I'm biased. I would say Cena because this is really the rise of Cena from, what, 21 to about 29? They're all very Cena-centric, so that's why I would I would give it to Cena. And maybe we'll throw that poll up sometime. I don't know. I maybe. mean, I, I'm going with Shawn just based on pure match quality for this run. I mean, I, from a standpoint of who rose the most during this time frame? Yeah, Cena. But if you just look at sheer match quality, I mean, from Jericho to the triple threat match at 20 to who did Angle at 21? Angle at 21 and and Mr. McMahon and then Ric Flair and John Cena? Shit. Yeah, I, I, I even talked myself into it even further. Yeah, it's Sean. You might have talked me into it as well. I'm not going to lie. It's Sean. <laughs> Yeah, Mike's right, emphatic about it. Yes, as he's disappearing behind a uh, weird Henry Cavell Superman. Like right. you're going like in and out because of your background. You know uh, what I mean? He's disappearing gladly, into Wonder Woman. Now. Yeah, I gladly disappear behind <laughs> Gal, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Besides the fact that she's playing Cleopatra, I like her. It's another yeah. reason to watch uh, Zack Snyder's cut is because you get to see her in those unbelievably beautiful reddish-brown leather pants. Did you like Wonder Woman, Chris? If you like Wonder Woman, you gotta mm-hmm. see her in this, because she's different. Watch the fucking well, movie. Hey, I love my woman, and I, I wonder why I love she loves Mike. me. But anywho, Mr. Knox, man, 
It's been an honor, privilege, and pleasure. We got to get you back on, man. Thank, Thank you, you so much from the bottom okay. of my heart for coming on here, man. Let the good folks know what you got going on and where they can find you. Anywhere social media is sold at Mike Knox with three X's. Um, just thank everybody for just being around. I got I put a little pet project together that I did called When Did You Fall In Love With Pro Wrestling. If you go to my YouTube page or any of my social media pages with my name, Mike Knox, it's there. Please watch the video. Comment on the video. Um, I, I tell you, I say this, as, as, as my wife always tells me, I'm, I'm humble. I'm, I'm very arrogant, but I'm always very humble at the same time. If that makes any sense to me, people can understand where I'm coming from. All I wanted from this video was not the pub that I, you know, the video or I'm being in the video or anybody being in the, in the video. It was me actually editing, putting it together. And I was very proud of me putting this together and having wrestling fans. It's not about nothing, but when did you fall in love with pro wrestling? It's this time of year where I love WrestleMania and I think everybody should just if you love pro wrestling, watch this video, share this video, comment on this video, youtube.com backslash Mike Knox 3Xs. Thank you for the time. I'll be glad to come back anytime. There's no baseball game. I got to second that, and I can't second it anymore. It's a excellent piece of work. You did an excellent job putting it together, and if you are a wrestling fan, I implore you to go out of your way to go check out this video. It's that awesome. Seriously, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. Mr. Consiglieri, where can they find you, sir? Shit, at the bottom of a bottle. I mean, when the Knicks are beating you 131 to 113, it's time to start heavily fucking drinking. That's where you can find me. But you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. <laughs> Facebook.com <laughs> slash Attitude of Aggression. And make sure you are checking us out at Bandwagon Nerds. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, Chris, by the way, we're going to do the nerd review on uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League tomorrow. So you probably don't need to watch it. Just read the review. You'll, you'll get all you need out. Of it. And let, don't read Patrick's. He's going to shit on it. Read mine. Well, Dave, I love you and Patrick for saving me four hours of my life. So there we go. Tony, where can they find you, brother? Sir? <laughs> you can find me at PC Tony, and please continue to listen to everything on the Chair Shot Radio Network. You guys can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. You already know. Go to ProBustingTees.com forward slash the Chair Shot, and I'm all over this melon farmer called the Chair Shot. So if, if you come on a day, you'll probably see something that I'm involved with, gentlemen. Again, thanks to my esteemed panel. Thank you from around the blocks with Mike Knox, Mr. Larry, Ungar, Tom Hagen, and the resident Platt Whisperer, PC Tunney. For everybody, I'm Mr. Velvet Pies, Christopher Platt. Thank you all for tuning in to the latest edition of Mania Madness. We'll see you back next week, same Platt time, same Platt channel. Until then, Mike, oil your chair. Shalom. Yes, it's bad. Hi, it's bad. <laughs> Welcome to the greatest sports entertainment spectacular of all time. Welcome to WrestleMania. <laughs> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.